This episode took nearly two years to come together, but we finally made it. Yay. We sat down for a three-hour chat and talked about so, so much. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Adele, she's an Italian doula living in Busan who provides support for foreign women and families who give birth in the good old ROK. This was such a wholesome conversation. Even after having children of our own here, me and Nate were still able to take in some sage advice from Adele. This is a must-listen for any parents-to-be or for those who want to compare and contrast their experiences. Hope you enjoy. Be sure to check out morningcombirthing.com. Not morning, <laughs> morning clam birthing. That's morningcombirthing, C-A-L-M, birthing.com. Uh, for more information on how Adele can facilitate a carefree birthing experience for you here in Korea. The website has lots of helpful information, including a list of helpful Korean vocabulary related to childbirth and pregnancy. Check it out, morningcombirthing.com. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Oh, test, idea. test. Okay. I'm going to do this Italian way. Sa, sa, un, due, tre, prova. Sa. <laughs> Last night I had these guys over with their families, Mark and him and Kai, and, and there was a pile of people. There's six or seven kids in the pool. Uh-huh. And, but my wife's like, who's coming? How long are they here? How much are you guys drinking? What are you? And I was like, listen, I can do things responsibly. I don't know. I was like, what the hell was the problem? Like, why is everyone yelling and screaming? All these kids. It's like nine girls and five moms. There will be screaming. And she I'm says, sorry. oh, the moms are all drunk. And I was like, well, that's the problem. Put the freaking kids to bed before the moms get drunk. Like, that. that's pretty That's pretty simple. Oh, so good. Oh. And yesterday we came over. I mean, there's whatever 10 or 12 people or whatever and there's noise during the day or whatever, but responsible and everyone was gone by 8 30 or something and it was normal but why can't my wife figure that out <laughs> she likes to party we should party together no no i like to party way more than my wife but you got to have common sense you got to use some reason yeah. all the moms are drunk and the kids are going bonkers bouncing off the walls is not i think not we are, we are so socially starved <laughs> All of us, like I felt it yesterday. Like I'm like, oh my god, I've missed this so much. You don't know yeah. how much you miss it until you start yeah. doing to it get again, back right? into it. Huh? Bruce, Adele, by the way, I'm so rubbed. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, yeah, <laughs> I want to do introduce that. you. Yeah. It's it's one of my glowing points. I always introduce people. Really. My my wife too. I'll just oh someone. My wife has no idea. Nice to meet. Dog. Ten minute conversation. Like, that's my wife. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm um, trying to learn. I get too excited when I see. I'm like a little puppy. I see someone. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you see the parallels between Italian culture and Korean culture? A lot, yes. Okay, I thought. I've been saying that for years. I don't know. I, Southern I always, Italian. What is it? The Southern Italian. Southern Northern Italian, Italian is different. Like there's, we have a quite a big divide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. What are some parallels? We're Can loud. We like eating and drinking and company. And uh, when we welcome people like into our lives we truly welcome them like koreans mm-hmm. will take the skin off their back mm-hmm. yeah. in english mm-hmm. the shirt you, off the and back. southern is that yeah. the, the shirt off, thank you that's, that's yeah, <laughs> um and i will make mistakes in english especially as sleep deprived as i am yeah. so feel free to <coughs> and yeah so very similar especially uh-huh. like especially busan and naples 
I feel the same way. Even the dialect. Like, I have a video of my daughter speaking Busan dialect, oh. and it sounds like she's speaking Napolitan. <laughs> the intonation is very similar. It's very That's funny. Very similar. I always thought okay. just the, the garlic heavy diet. E- nah. Easily angered. Hey, you, get, you get fired up pretty <laughs> See easy. That. We yeah. are passionate. Yeah, but are you recording already? Zero, zero body. Yeah, it's, you're recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, it's no, just no. Like, all right. No, we are passionate. We're not easily angered. We get. <laughs> yes. And the garlic heavy, not as heavy as Korea. I've I've been having conversations with my husband about his garlic intake. It's got to be reduced. It's got to a point where it's becoming uncomfortable. It's affecting our marriage. I'm like, you are not eating garlic tonight. Please. That's we but they like when when they eat more it, just and more spice my way. But I think it's just raw though when they eat it here. You could yeah. you brush your teeth, it's you still taste it after. You what smell about? it in the room, in the bedroom in the morning. When you get to that point, when when it when it seeps up from your skin it's yeah. what about the food? smell my armpit. They smell it's known as from That's the north. True, right? yes. And and uh, I don't know. I've noticed food no, 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 is spicy. No, from the north. No, my... You're not. Uh. <laughs> the the Italian food I grew eat, eat growing up was I think spicier than all the stuff they call spicy here. When I when I had spicy dishes at home, I mean they say spicy. This stuff's not spicy. I mean bulldog, yes. A couple of the other things, sure. Deng shows are hot, yes. But like when Koreans go, oh kimchi meiwa, what? What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Southern Italian is really spicy. Yeah. Like Calabria, which would be like the the point of the heel yeah. of the boot. The boot, yeah. Yeah, not the heel, but the point. That part is famous yeah. because stuff is really, really spicy. There's this well, Italian stuff that I, I can't eat. Migrated to uh, Asana Decimal, but <laughs> <laughs> that's Nona stuff was always a little bit now, hot. So. You're on a you're on the peninsula of the peninsula, yeah, Gaeta. Is that right? that, yeah, it's it's tiny. It's a gulf more Are than. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're talking. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're not doing any official. Nothing yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, you do it later, and then you. Uh, oh yeah, well I'll do it in a yeah. sec. What we'll just uh, do it now? <laughs> Here. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hi, I got a question about just uh, your home dish or the the hometown dish, Tiella. Is that right? Yes, it's stuffed pizza. Okay. But. What do you stuff it with? Anything. So but no, but what's the real one? What's the what's so the real one? Different. If I went to if I went to Napoli and I said give me a, a Hawaiian pizza, they'd shoot me in the head. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> no, no, seriously, don't do that. <laughs> I, ever. Know. Like, I know, I do know. Not. Um But what what would be uh, an appropriate filling for Tiela? Inappropriate you want to No, and want- and and appropriate. Uh, okay. uh, a good feeling. So, Sorry, no. different kinds. Yeah. One is uh, like um, a salted codfish. Is a Bacala. Kind. Bacala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. There's a um, onion. There's a, like a kind of vegetables with olives. Gaeta is famous also for olives. Yes, yes, yes. Um, in Korea, you can find them. Not easily. You can find lots can of can? other kinds. Cannot. Okay. You can find lots of other kinds of olives. But I remember in the UK, I go mm. into this shop and they had like olive di Gaeta. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's really good. It's a juicy kind of very similar. No, no, it's not similar to Kalamata olives, but it's black and very juicy, mm, soft, and the taste is just different than the the olives here are. There's no tasteless. olives here compared to home. My, we have olive buffets at home. I know, right? I know. <laughs> like garden, garden, <laughs> and we cut them up. In yeah. Gaeta, we cut up green olives and then put spices in them, yeah. and like a little bit of uh, pickles, but just a little bit. And uh, would you call it really antipasto? Good. 
It's a kind of, it's part of, kind of, part of what I'm okay. My husband. I had that growing up. Yeah. Okay. So, Tiela, you can put, um, my favorite is a uh, Nakti. Uh, yeah, okay. Small octopus. Yeah. Oh, interesting. My personal favorite. But you can put lots of different stuff in it. I never and knew. Uh, yeah, sorry. The dough is slightly different than pizza. It's between it's a calzone thinner. and a pizza? No, because calzone would be made with the same dough as pizza. Okay. Just stuffed. Tiela is thinner. Mm. And I want to say slightly more oily. Mm, like pizza school? <laughs> do not do not do you guys have combination pizzas in, in Napoli extra corn please hey? oh, we get our corn from Gaeta no you would get people would hurt you We're, I'm in, the, in a Facebook group called Italians Mad at Food I'm in there too yes it is the funniest thing it is my daily dose of just like it, the the comments are oh they're they're so perfect they're so perfect. But then mm. I listened to the, this podcast mm. by a food historian, mm. and he was explaining how Italian cuisine is actually very recent, because Italians were very poor mm. up until you know a few decades ago. Yeah. And so they said, for example, they wouldn't even eat sitting down. It's an American thing, and lots of Italian food was actually reimported from. The U.S. from America. Uh, so you had all these migrants from all these different places in Italy yeah. who all went to the U.S. Mm. and then went and then they there they met and they like exchanged culinary traditions and mm. then when they came back to Italy like when they were old they brought them back uh -huh. because by that point when they actually left uh. people were eating standing up mm. the tradition of eating around the table sitting at the table standing it's an American the table, thing yeah, yeah right. they would stand up nobody would sit down huh. well that, may, so, like, that, makes, that makes sense because Italians fight about carbonara oh. but carbonara oh that's the big that's the the big one right yeah yeah, yeah. You, you, I'm gonna say this you, I'm not a big fan <laughs> I'll say this but you're gonna revoke your passport next sorry, time sorry I'm not um, so but carbonara is what bacon and eggs that's an American breakfast oh you mean you don't Dump a, a quart of milk on there? Yeah. Well, you can. <laughs> and people are like, oh my God, if you put cream and carbonara. You... No, one of very there. famous Italian. Um, <laughs> so she's the, the she's the sister of a famous actor. And she's also an actress. Her yeah. name is Soralella. She's yeah. a big lady and uh, everybody loves her. She wrote a recipe book. Mm. I'm talking about the 50s, 60s. Yeah. She said, if you want, you can add a little bit of cream. <coughs> so all these people being outraged that you put cream in carbonara. <laughs> no. You can put you like your oh. cream in your carbonara do it I am for bodily autonomy <laughs> including what you put in your butt it's okay. oh, yeah. you the purest 2022 you no. can do whatever you want but the the, know, the pizza debates are hilarious man it's Just, it's margarita or nothing <laughs> or, or you know maybe a little prosciutto or something but nice. they oh because it's the best one it's, it's how you you can taste it. Yes. If yeah, you put yeah, lots it, of ingredients, of, then of you don't really taste it anymore. I don't so get these Americans. My, <laughs> Nona, my Nona had a cooking show in Thunder Bay for a few years. Her own cooking show? Yeah. She yes. on TV. Wow. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I think of how her cooking skills diminished over the years. She died at 99 the same day my first daughter was born. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, she was... Half a bottle of gin every day, from <laughs> from, from like forty to a hundred, and and a couple glasses of wine, and uh, by the end, I mean she had to move out of her apartment because the fire department would come once a month because the spaghetti sauce had simmered down to absolutely nothing, and uh, I mean we would go to her we would go to her house later in life and the food tastes 
might not be the same as it was as we remembered it, but it didn't matter. I mean, she was still cooking what she thought was the original stuff or what she thought. But, yeah, I mean, it, it changes over time. These guys get old and start forgetting how many handfuls and spoonfuls and fingerfuls they need. And ah, Very nice. My grandfather made wine. He would make wine. And he would give us, everybody, I had a, on my mom's side, this was my mom's side, uh, we were nine. And he would give all of us a finger of red in a glass of water yeah. with meals. Yeah. I don't know from what age, but an age that would be considered very inappropriate <laughs> right now. And then at the end of the meal, he would give everybody a teaspoon of coffee, just a teaspoon. And yeah, that's what I grew up with. So I drink wine with uh, meals and huh. every day just with my husband. Talking to, talking to my dad just the other day, he was saying that when we would sleep at my grandparents, I said their favorite thing to do was like on a Sunday morning, give us a big uh, glass of coffee and they put anisette. Do you know what anise is? Anise? Anise. Anise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But like the alcohol. Oh yeah, yeah, And they put a little yeah, bit of that in. I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we, I have a bottle of pasties. <sighs> yeah, we, uh, we did that. My Nono made uh, wine, too, when uh, when we were growing up. My grandparents met at a bootlegger. Like, my Nona's mom was a bootlegger during Prohibition when you weren't allowed to drink right. alcohol. Nice. And my Grandpa would go there and buy alcohol and be like, oh, I'll marry your daughter, too. <laughs> <laughs> you said you're a family of... You have eight brothers and sisters? No, no, or no. Your cousins. Mom? Okay. Among the cousins, we were nine. I have my, one brother. My mom has nine, sis, nine sisters. Yeah. I and think my big, grandparents big, each. Big, big families. Yeah. My grandparents each had, I think, 11 siblings yeah. each. I believe. My mom, there were four. My dad also, there were four. And then there was us. We were two. And we're going down right oh, the numbers yeah, yeah. are going down and up we always joke Nono passed away early because who the hell could live with 11 females <laughs> oh my god were they all girls yeah no. all girls they're somehow or somewhat famous in the north uh-huh. eastern part of the country um, as because Nona brought them back on a cruise a Mediterranean cruise mm-hmm. and they had been photographed and put all over the news in, in Italy as the ten sisters and and whatever so they had made a lot of media on that trip that they went, and Nona's goal was to bring them all back every five years oh, nice. and, and go back and go around the town and whatever. So, but yeah, big families and lots of lots of big gatherings and fun memories growing up for sure. Oh, no. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no, if people are still having uh, eleven babies each, you'd be you wouldn't have any time to come and sit down and chat. <laughs> I have colleagues um, in the States who have 9, 12 children. I have doula students who have 12 children in some areas of the States. Not in Italy anymore. Italy has one of the lowest birth rates alongside Korea. My sister's got five. I I attended a fifth birth, a fifth baby being born in Korea, an American family. They had their fifth. It was my first and last fifth so far. Huh. Yes. Yeah, not... Not easy to find these days. When you're Korea, but they were here for a while. Now they're mm. back. All right, welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life. Number seven. <laughs> I did forget. I'm sorry. You guys are right. Number seventy-four, <laughs> featuring Adele Vitale. Um, you mentioned you um, you attended a fifth a fifth birth. Yes. That's not your first birth to attend, right? No, it was not. Okay, so you've you've been to a couple. Uh, watching my children's birth, I've talked about it with Nate. We even saw uh, our friend's wife part of the home birth. Uh-huh. You know, watching your own kids being born, super emotional. Watching a friend's 
you know, wife uh, giving birth. Not, nothing crazy, but uh, you- just on the just on a on a video, okay, and you're just like, you're not there. Wow, like, man, so, like overcome with emotion. After seeing so many, is it still emotional for you, Absolutely. or is it more? Does it become like more systematic and oh, just no. more? Never. Emotional. Emotional. Yes. Oh. Yes. I cry all the time. I'm not ashamed to say. Oh. And I tell people, if you're not comfortable with that, <laughs> I will cry. <laughs> I cry. The father cries. And yeah. Yeah. Because it's different. First of all, it's different every time. It's a miracle every single time. I think I was trying to kill the doctor and the nurses. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. I thought I was in a WWF ring. Watching someone put a figure four on my wife, and I was like, oh, "What the hell is going on?" It should really not be. It's not. It's not supposed to be like that. Oh shit! Yeah, there are some wild. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's some very eye opening experiences during uh, during the birth, and I mean, even just um, kind of to warm up for this interview, I've been asking the ladies in my class about their experience with birth and and whatnot, and we talked about one lady we make the newspapers there and there's a lady at a Metallica concert who give birth. <laughs> Her ticket was delayed because of Corona or whatever. <laughs> she gave birth at, uh, at a Metallica concert. Oh, wow. Not my student, a lady in Brazil, but, uh, yeah, no, some of the, some of the women that I teach, they said their, their experience wasn't so, I don't know, wasn't so extraordinary, but I think that's kind of standard for, uh, for Korea. I think they know, going in that they're not going to have any say or you know it's kind of up to the doctor i think is the but that's unfortunately Mm. the way it is here for most people Mm. um in reality like i don't i don't actually recommend giving birth at a metallica concert like (laughs) it happens it happens but that proves that you can give birth anywhere okay yeah. you don't need a doctor you don't need a hospital you need a safe environment and you need trust in the process and your body because stress adrenaline Mm. cortisol Adrenaline mostly mm. can stop laboring its tracks, but if you let your body do its thing, it can do it. It's a physiological process. Ah, adrenaline would stop it? So <laughs> you need adrenaline when it's time to push the baby out, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you don't need it any sooner than that. Oh, okay. okay. So if you yeah, have too much adrenaline at the beginning of labor <laughs> because you're stressed out, yeah, yeah. it's fight, flight, or freeze, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh-huh. freezing is the thing. Like the blood goes away from the parts of your body gotcha. that are not for defense purposes. Yep. So it goes away from your uterus, and the uterus uh, is made up of muscles. It cannot work. Metallica, not good. Okay? No, You're getting all fired up happens. an hour before. <laughs> happens, yeah. but... so, so that's the extended labor situations. It's a la- lack of the ability to control that? Or is that a, a factor or no? So um, excess stress, yeah. fear mostly, mm. um, can cause a stall in labor. Failure to progress. So basically, there's uh, two of the main two the two main reasons why people go on to have C sections, mm. emergency C section, meaning that they were not planned. Is the first is um, cephalopelvic disproportion, meaning the baby doesn't fit. Mm. And again, that's always that's also um, often an issue of positioning. Like if you're lying flat on your back, you're not let, letting gravity do its thing. You're not letting the body expand and move. We are meant to be moving. We are meant to be changing positions in labor. Um, and if you have to be flat on your back, then the body cannot do its thing. Yeah. And so they say, oh, the baby doesn't fit. 
But actually, maybe if you just tried and changed positions, maybe the baby would fit and you wouldn't need people to be pushing on you WWF style. <laughs> but, but there are cases where the baby doesn't fit or there no? are Ace Venture Absolutely, stuff. yes, yes. But that, we have come to a point where in Korea, like I think the latest data I have is for 2017 and the C-section rate was 48%. Okay, I hear 45 to 53. Yes. And the op- and the the polar opposite of that would be the Nordic countries with yes. 15 to 17%. So How w- does that happen? WHO says 10 to 15 maximum C-section are, are these voluntary or are they all like both. in that moment both oh, okay. so you can have so when we say emergency C-section we think like movie moment mom and baby in danger birthing person yeah. not being okay no emergency just means unplanned so it means that you did not schedule it you can schedule it for a variety of reasons many people in Korea schedule it because it's a good day to have a baby yeah. oh, right? I got, yeah. they go to the Saju and the Saju yeah, says oh you know yeah. this is a good day <laughs> And yeah. you, in, in China, it's the same. Like, Not I don't just know. for birth, for every aspect of their life. Moving into Business. your house, mm-hmm. everything. I, I, had a, I had one, one of my students from the past. He said his mother-in-law, so like he married the the daughter. So her mom, the it was 11.30 at night. And she's like, don't have that baby. And the daughter's <laughs> trying to... Yeah. Oh my God, I don't know so if she hard. can actually control that, but he's like, the mom was very adamant. Like, the baby's coming tomorrow. You cool. cannot <laughs> control it. Yeah. But the mom was... Yeah, but in Korea, in Korea they do, though. Because the epidural and how much they turn it up and how much medicine stuff they give you for your contractions. And if you're close... You can slow it down, but um, you cannot actually stop it. So one thing that can stop it is actually fear. And Metallica. Like, yeah, but like... like <laughs> I mean, you can stop it, apparently. Yeah. But, I'm, but I mean, here, like, it seems... You know, my mom and daughter... My mom and daughter... My mom and sister were here for the first one. My sister's a, a nurse my mom's got five kids i just thought it would be nice to have some comfort my mom's mm-hmm. got nine sisters she's been around all kinds of births and uh i thought it'd be comfortable and and you know they said oh you're only this many centimeters it's going to be it's going to be a while still and we've been at the hospital for a few hours already and they said okay we're going to go for dinner and then we'll come back later and as soon as they left buddy's like okay it's time let's go And it was like, whoa. Even a C-section? No. No. Physiotomy and everything. You know, they just, they do them kind of like on schedule, right? Okay, she's going to be next. And then it's not like, when's it going to come? It's kind of. I know. So that's what I mean. Like here, they they can kind of, I don't mean by hours or half a day, but efficiency over. There's an illusion of control with labor that doctors have. But the thing is, you see. Um, doctors like OBGYNs, they are highly skilled surgeons. If you ask a highly skilled surgeon to attend a birth, he will not wait for the body to do its thing. He's got the tools sure. mm. to do things according right. to mm. schedule. Get it on the right day. Yeah. So he's not going to wait for the body. He knows like, oh, if I do this, I, I can split it up by five minutes. He doesn't think of the consequences. I say he, but of course it can be a she. They don't think of the consequences for Not the birthing all. person. And they just want, yes, there is this like um conveyor belt kind of situation. Mm. It's not so much now that the birth rate is quite low, but you would have like two, three, four people in labor at the same time. Right. And the doctor just wants to get it over with. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. They're not going to give the body time to do its thing. But again, birth is a physiological process. Like all physiological processes, sometimes you need medical help. Mm. Most of the times, you do not. You don't. Yeah. And here, here, like the, like you said, the the convenience of it, for not for the mothers, but for the doctors, like mm. my shift's ending or... 
Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna help these contractions along, or I'm just gonna sit back and, or, or turn up the meds or whatever. And uh, man, it's it's all for the convenience of the doctor at the hospital. That, that's what I found, anyways. And so statistically, the most C-sections happen on a Friday night at 5 p.m. Something like that. Yeah. Get ready for the weekend. We say that. As we were saying before, so one of the reasons for unplanned C-sections is um, several pelvic disproportion, so the baby doesn't fit. The second one is failure to progress. So something happens and the baby does not come out. Mm. And so at some point, usually it's the birthing person themselves. They're like, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to be doing this anymore. Let's just get this baby out. I just want this baby out. You mean like fatigue? Fatigue, so, labor fatigue. It can be. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some, also something called like uterine acidosis. It's a muscle. So you can get the same kind of like lactic acid mm. that you get in your mm. muscles and the uterus cannot do it anymore. Mm. But more often than not, it's more like a mental thing. I'm like, I'm so done. It's been a day. It's been two days. It's been three days sometimes yeah. when they when they induce labor. So you are not in labor. They're like, okay, we're going to start the process yeah, now yeah, with yeah. hormones, with mm. synthetic hormones, mm. with drugs. And so at some point, many people are like, you know what? I am done, done and I just want to give birth to this yeah. baby. Um, but this failure to progress sometimes is just failure to wait on the part of the provider who's like, and they will come and say to you, they play what we called, it's very bad, but we call it the dead baby card. They're like, oh, your baby will die if you keep waiting. Oh, your baby will be in danger. But, you know, I, but as a parent in that, you know, I I want to go in and I think this is where you're, you're service or right. uh what's it called or your your business comes in that as a parent if anyone starts mentioning that you're like do what you got to do you're right? the professionals exactly. i'll sign anything exactly that's exactly what happens oh and that i i'd like to say it's uh or i mean my not being in the situation not being in the heat of the situation looking at it from outside you think like, oh, these greedy doctors are looking to make money or I don't know the, I don't know. No, no, not, I don't believe that um, that's the thing. I mean, they work in a certain way. Yeah. Again, they, these are highly skilled surgeons yeah. who operate hospitals that are businesses at the end of the day. Yeah. And they operate in a certain way. If you choose to give birth in that environment, mm. then you have to accept the rules. But, but. <laughs> People here have no idea what environment they're getting into. Exactly, that's the problem, and that's where education comes in. Yeah, and it's so important. But if you take your educate, if you take your childbirth classes at the hospital, yeah, what they, which they do <laughs> which in Korea for free, yeah. <laughs> they will normalize interventions. They will yeah. say, well, oh, and then at this point we do an episiotomy. At this point we cut you. At this point we but give you. The, I don't know. I I took those courses. It. Right. And, and they said, no, no, we respect what you want. We'll do what you want. This, that, and you know the same thing. They plant the the heads too big from three months. Oh, the right. head's too big. Yeah. The head's too big. And I'm like, okay, they're just growing the the chance for a C-section so that when it comes, they can say, well, I told you at month three that the head's too big. Yeah. Mm. And here I am, foreign guy, trying to compete against Korean culture and norms, and my wife's thinking. Do I believe my freaking husband who has no idea what he's talking about? What she thinks. Trust me. <laughs> what she thinks. My sister's got five kids. My mom's got five. I've been around a few kids. Or her mom, who, you know, didn't know anything about giving birth when they did. And there's no role models. There's no education. There's nothing except they tell you we'll respect your opinions and your wants and wishes. But as soon as you get in there, it's. We know you're not going to say no, so we'll tell you whatever we want. Mm. And that's... Yeah, um, we should all be able to trust our chosen medical providers. Yeah. You don't want to go into a birth and fight the doctor because you are there. You're paying for their services. 
You're paying in Korea a few hundred thousand won mm. minimum, and you can pay much more than that. Why would you go against the doctor? So step number one, find a provider you trust mm. so that when they say, you know what, things are not going well, we're going to have to intervene medically, you would say, you know what, yes, I trust you. Because you don't, wouldn't do that to your, to your cardiologist. But, but would you agree that that doesn't apply in Korea to Koreans? So the Because thing, they're taught to be submissive and not to challenge authority. And it doesn't yes. matter what hospital they're going to. You have young one and And that's the two... That's why the, I had the a, best, the best birth giving hospitals. Sure, you can go all over the place, but those are the two. You know, these guys trained in the states or in Germany or whatever. These are the ideal places to give birth, and I think they're probably the same. Has become better, I think. Um, but I do not want to be sued, so I will not share my experiences with both of those hospitals. Right. I will just tell you that I had a home birth in Ulsan. My daughter, yeah. who turned seven two yeah. days ago, mm. I gave birth at home. Because I could not find a hospital in Ulsan that would, but but that's what I mean. So would you agree that those that logic doesn't apply to Koreans in Korea because they don't follow that? They're not going to look for their who can they ask? Their mom, their sister? They don't know. But I mean, I think we really trusted our OBGYN. We had a good relationship and told her from the beginning what natural birth. But then we give birth at three in the morning and she wasn't there. Right, so that's another She wasn't thing. there to, to, you know. So to who was there then? Some the random uncle, dude. The uncle yeah. doctor. Oh. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he walked in, he put on his gloves, put on some boots. I swear to God, he put on a, a big... Manger. Yeah. He, he, put on, he put on his waiters and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and delivered my baby. Yeah. yeah. There's this like emotional unbalance, right? That event is like really important for you, but it's just like Tuesday for the doctor. <laughs> so oh, of course. Yeah, you yeah, ask yeah. me, mm. you ask me if after having attended dozens of births, if mm. I have become desensitized yeah, yeah, yeah. and I have not. Yeah. But then I, first of all, my work with my clients is very personal. Yeah. And very emotional too. Mm. Like we, we make a connection. I always say like you have to choose each other. Mm. I do choose the parents I'm going to work with. I'm so lucky. I have the best parents in the world. But the parents have to choose me. Mm. Anyone who is in that room, you have to be able to trust them. So I don't work with hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. But a doctor Yet. would have attended. <laughs> well, I don't think in this lifetime. But a doctor would have attended thousands of births. So yeah. I do believe that they do become somewhat desensitized. Yeah. More to, to different extents based yeah. on the doctor's personality. But when you attend like, I don't know, 10 week, ten births a week, because um, I think now the rate is so low. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would be more than that, maybe mm-hmm. even less than that at this point. Yeah. But you attend thousands and thousands of births. That, and you don't build a personal rapport with this person. You, you go into a doctor's office, five minutes, you're out. Yeah. Like you don't even... And yes, there is the Confucian attitude. Like doctor says... I do. do and, mm-hmm. and you do. And so people don't question it. But again, we should all be able to do that. We as as Westerners, as foreigners, we are taught that we should be active participants in our in the management of our health. Of course. Right. So we like to ask questions. I do the same thing wherever I go. Like um making friends everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that you this there's this idea that if I ask my doctor a question, I am questioning his authority. Yeah, That's not yeah. the thing. I want to be involved. Yeah, but I want to know it's what's a, going on. It's a complete change in society and the way they think because we would be there. And I would have a list of questions. And my wife would be, don't bring your list out. Don't even ask. <laughs> okay, that's enough. No more questions. That's not like, but hold on. This is his job. 
but the guy just wants to get you out to get the next one in. And I'm like, yeah. well, hold on. If you don't want to take the time to answer my questions, then I think you don't want to take the time to take care of my wife either. They just jam it in, ultrasound, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this, everything's good. Get out. No, no, I got a few questions. With my first daughter, I had to but hire... My wife was always against, like, my wife... And that's the culture yes. where they turn like, and I'm sure a Korean father asks zero questions. Yes. But I'm the crazy foreigner, so a few is okay. But don't ask more than a few because you're taking up his time. But this is his job. Yeah. But you're the you're the demon for asking more than two questions because it's is it any better? A lot of time. Is it any better back home when you when you go visit a family doctor or whatever? Like, oh, I got a. I got a lump over here. Oh, yeah, okay. And I would like to think that childbirthing is different. And, and <laughs> yeah. So, again, that's the main difference, right? It's not pathological. Mm. You are not sick when you're pregnant. Mm. So that's why you should be able to discuss options. Mm. If I have a tumor that needs to be removed, mm. it needs to be removed. I would still have some options, I believe. Mm. The kind of anesthesia or the timing. I, I believe there would be some options. But... Even with a C-section, you would have options sure. that you need mm. to discuss. But um, birth is not... A pathology. There's nothing pathological about it. It's a it's a physiological process that you can just sit back and you can just watch it happen. Uh, it's yeah. the most natural thing we have. But then the most important thing is for somebody to feel safe. Sure. Mm. The birthing person needs to feel safe. Yeah. So if I feel safe in a hospital environment with a doctor present, then it's a good idea to go to the to a hospital to give birth. I do have to know, as you were saying, I do have to know what I'm facing. Like, I do have to know what the policies of this place are. Mm. Because I hear lots of people say, oh, in my hospital, they give everybody an episiotomy. That's the cut yeah, in the yeah, yeah. area. They give every, but I'm going to kick the doctor. I'm going to tell the doctor, I don't want it. Well, you have to tell him right now. Mm. Not in the moment. In the moment, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be impossible. But, By the way. But, but this, is, this, was, this was my thing. And I said, listen. At home, that used to be a thing. I don't know about Italy and Europe, but it, is, it, it used to be a thing a while back in Canada. And then they the science showed that natural healing, natural ripping and natural healing is much better, yes. faster, yes. and natural. And I, I, that was one of the first questions I asked was, do you do the episi episiotomy? What and is that's it? Cutting down to the asshole. Thanks, um, let me explain it. You use the official language, <laughs> which, people <laughs> which people might not understand. <laughs> You can see this, but Here's. so if this is the, I hope you stop this. If this is the right. anus, and this is the vaginal opening, mm -hmm. it's this area here. So oh, when the baby's right. head starts to emerge, it stretches this area, so they make a cut. Oh, the hole the becomes side. looser or bigger, and, and it's easier to get out. It, it doesn't become looser though. Like the baby <laughs> doesn't spend a lot of time in there. I guess if you have maybe ten kids, yeah. maybe yes, but it's very elastic. No, but if you're trying to put ten pounds of potatoes in an eight-pound bag so, and you cut the bag. <clears throat> So the risk is, so imagine I have this piece of fabric. So you cut it so that it becomes easy for... By mere seconds. Oh, okay. It's faster right. by mere seconds. Oh, okay. And sometimes it rips naturally. Mm. It, it just usually does. Naturally. Sometimes it doesn't rip? Sometimes it does not. 75% of first-time parents experience some degree of laceration. Mm -hmm. But it's usually a first degree, which is only skin. So you have to imagine, it's really similar to this. There's skin here yeah. and there's muscle here. So sometimes mm. it's just a little bit of skin yeah, yeah, yeah. and it heals naturally. <laughs> More often than not, it's skin and muscle. Mm -hmm. um, third and fourth degree lacerations, those would be the, those would be the ones muscle that extend dairy. into other, like the mm. urethra or the yeah. uh, anal sphincter. Those usually only happens when you cut. Because if you have a piece of fabric and you pull, like, mm. this is not going to break. Yeah. But imagine, you cut a little bit yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you pull. No, 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 yeah, yeah, sure. So that's why episiotomies are correlated with... I didn't words. even know that word until after giving birth. Then we start talking, we're like... 
Oh, Nate knows oh. lots of stuff. Nate, yeah. I'm, hey. I'm positively yeah. Because I talked to my sister and my mom who've watched this and done this, and they said, what about this? And then I asked my wife, and she'd be like, why are you talking to your mom again? Because <laughs> I'm looking out for your best interest, because your mom, okay. your mom can't offer the advice or the insight. Okay, but this, at the end of the day, it's your wife's body. So if sure, your wife feels 100%. comfortable in the hands of a doctor, she should give birth with a doctor. Like home birth is not for everybody. But I think that but they don't have the option. They don't know. They don't know. Like yes. so if you so gave five options, I don't think they would choose that option. Most most Korean women, I think if you gave them the five five different options, I don't think they would choose the one that happens to them because they didn't know. Hmm. It's changing though. Like people are talking about these things in the West, like you have like one out of three births is described as traumatic. It's a lot. It, one out of three. For the mother? One, for the birthing person, yes. Well, it can be also secondary trauma. Like, sometimes it happens for the, the partner as well. Maybe the birthing person does not realize. And even for me as a doula, there would be births that afterwards, I talk to my client and I'm like, so how was your birth? And like, oh my God, I'm traumatized. And I may think like, I don't think that was traumatizing, but of course that's my take, which right. can be really different. But there may be births that I am traumatized observing. And one of them happened at mm. And uh, uh, as a result, I've been banned. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, doulas are not welcome. I'm the only one. So. Um, and for the mother, it was like, oh, you know, yeah, it was, it was bad, but not traumatizing. But I was traumatized as an external observer. So right. secondary trauma is a thing. So the partner could be traumatized. And that's, that's what I think, like, for for foreign guy, if you're, like, you know, the doctors here say, get out. And I'm like, why would I get out? I mean, it's yeah. my wife. And, and I think if you tell me to get out, you're doing something that I'm not supposed to see. That's also a modesty thing. They ask you to get out also to take ultrasounds, internal ultrasounds at the beginning of pregnancy. Well, I was right? there. The first I was there the whole time. I was I there for all of them. Well, in many hospitals, but, they ask you, and I'm like, is there anything that he hasn't seen already? That's what, that's what I say. Like, I said, hey, buddy. You know how we got here? <laughs> like, who, and that's what I said when I was in the room. Wait, I was like, listen, wait, just do your job, please. Just do your job and forget that I'm here. I'm here to support my wife. So that's so if you're going to fight with the doctor, that's going to affect your wife. Yeah, sure. That's the thing. So you should never, you should always avoid conflict mm. in the birthing room, which means anything you want and everything you want has to be discussed on the beforehand. table. Before. But, but this beforehand. is what I said, though. Like what? we had it that she says, my husband will be in the room. It doesn't matter what you say. He's not leaving. He's going to be in the room. You get there. It's the different doctor. And then they didn't like at home. I think that you would change notes or you would read the patient profile. Husband's going to be in the room. No C-section until absolutely mandatory. But that's but. the thing. You have to have a conversation. You cannot say my husband will be in the room because it's their hospital. They have liability. Yeah. Yeah. They could mm -hmm. be sued. If something happens, it's their license on the line. They're not going to let you do whatever you want. <laughs> Slip on the afterbirth, break your neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's parents who faint in the birthing room. Yeah, but anyway, true. you are going to their hospital. Yeah. You are asking for their assistance. You have to abide by the rules. Mm. You have to know about the rules in advance mm. so that you can negotiate. So what happens if this hospital has a policy of the father leaving the room mm. and you absolutely want to give birth in that hospital? Well, two things have to happen. You have to negotiate. Either you compromise, so you um, lower your expectations, or there's no way. It's not going to happen. You have to move away from the hospital. You cannot expect that they're going to change the rules for you so unless they agree to do so. I would never expect that. Do hospitals here have policies or is this just what they say because nobody's ever asked they just say they not. just say korean husband don't come in the room nah <laughs> oh crazy wake we can come in the room oh we that's not allowed is there a policy i bet there's not 
So, um, in there might the be now that birthing <laughs> now from my experience, but well, that's the thing, nobody ever asks, right? So, if you ask, you don't want to ask in the moment because a person giving birth is at their most powerful, at the same time, also at their most vulnerable. vulnerable. You're there, you're naked, your legs are like open, and everybody's looking at your yeah, private parts. parts. So, anything has to be have has to be negotiated beforehand. So, you can say, So, this is this was me with my first child, she was born in Mokpo. Let's say not the most forward-thinking of areas of Korea. F1 track? Yes, we were very close there. I went there. Yeah, I was there. And Ferrari won the first year. Yeah. Um, and so I go to. The, I had a grand choice of two hospitals. I wanted a home birth. My mother, who was going to be there, and my husband were not on board. Anybody who attends a birth has to be calm and relaxed because stress and fear are <laughs> contagious. So I'm like, if they are not on board, they cannot be in the same room. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to have a hospital birth. Two hospitals. I go to the first hospital. They recommended this because the doctor was very good. I go and I ask to see their birthing room and I see the room and it was horrible. <laughs> I always say medieval torture chamber. <laughs> the color of the tiles of, on the wall was like, Vomit green, can I say ah, that? Yeah. yeah, and it was like this, like dentist. You know the 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 mad dentist chair yeah, from yeah, horror yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. I look like I'm like I yeah. I cannot. Fifty Shades of Green. Good. Bunch of random tools on the Positively. wall. <laughs> Positively stressful, even to, for me to just look at it yeah. as a pregnant person. <laughs> so I'm like, John, no. can I just add to that one? <laughs> yes. Like the two places I mentioned earlier. I mean, on the outside, brand new, modern, fancy. Everything until you get into that birthing room, and I had the same room you had, and I was like, "What the hell, man? Like, <laughs> this is a fancy place, and there's Gucci and Louis Vuitton and shit everywhere." And then when you get into the birthing room, it's like the torture chamber. And I was like, "Holy shit! Did they forget to remodel this room or what?" So you have to ask for a tour. It's yeah. hard now with COVID; they don't yeah. allow you anymore. Yeah. But in the past, you could go and take a tour, yeah. or if they say you're not allowed, you can ask a nurse. Can you just walk in with your phone and just show me around? Mm. Because the pictures right. they put on the internet. May not be representative that's, of that's it, yeah. the reality of the rooms. So, yeah, that, that hospital was out. I have another hospital. My husband is like, I'm not coming with you if you're asking all these questions to doctors. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, well, this. <laughs> so, I hire a student, like an English student. Yeah. I give her Omanon. And I'm like, can you come with me? And I give her a list of vocabulary. And I'm like, you know, I'm, go I'm going to ask about these things. And I go and interview doctors. I go hospital shopping because you're paying for this service. In Italy, it's free, you don't pay. <laughs> You can pay if you want to, obviously, but, but usually my, you just My go... impression in Korea is you wouldn't find a hospital. You're too kitchena for them. They don't want to <laughs> deal with that. They have 100 Koreans who are lined up to just go and do the, the production can, line birth. But you can. Maybe not. Sure. So maybe you have to compromise. Maybe you're going to have to spend some money and organize a little. So you may have to budget or you may have yeah. to like organize, for example, um, Kimeh is not too far and there's a really good hospital right. in Kimeh. Yeah. So you could go to Kimeh to give mm. birth. Sure. Oh, but it's too far. Well, you can stay at the motel when your contractions start mm. and wait for things to pick up. Yeah. Or you could stay at a friend's or you could just come. It's like an hour. It took me an hour. Yeah. yeah. Or you can have a home birth. Or you can go up to Seoul. I have clients who went to a Seoul for Jeju. Are you from Mars? A home birth? Well, my husband was born at home. He was born in 1973. Planned, planned at home? My wife did. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know what I mean, though. Like That's people, the thing about Korean culture. It's so, so different. Well, because people, as you mentioned, people don't know that they have this kind of options. Right. They just don't know. So let me go back to I. I was in Mokpo. One hospital is out. Yeah. The second... I, Second hospital. There's an English speaking doctor. All the foreigners go to this doctor. I go to this doctor. I sit down and they're like, he's like, I'm like, I'm like, I'd like to discuss my preferences for birth. Mm -hmm. And I had a big mistake. Five page birth plan. 
Doctors are not going to look at a five-page birth plan. Don't do that. One page. Um, Mine birth plan. <laughs> it was a book. It was a book on birth. And then I'm like, you know, I would like to try and give birth. I, I've been reading books. I'm like, I would like to see. I, you know, I have a really good relationship with my body. I'm like, I want to see where it takes me. I want to try and give birth without medication. And then if I need medication, by all means. But I want to... And it's like you foreign women, you, you all you all read the same book. Good yeah. start. And I'm like, listen, books and reality is very different. And it's like, <laughs> but he said something that was true. Like, you come to this hospital, you give birth this way, blah 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 blah. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't think you're the doctor for me then. Yeah. And I left, and I had a good cry, obviously. Um, and then I went to a different room with a different doctor, because you know you had like mm. five doctors with my translator hand in hand. And uh, this doctor was a very big guy, like Nate, with a very low voice. And and I said the same thing I said to the previous doctor. And he's like, looked at me, I was like, okay. Did you read that book? And, uh, he, <laughs> he read my birth plan. So red flag, I give you something to read, you look at it and like, mm, okay, no good. He read, he took the time to read. And it was in, in English and Korean with double spacing. So it was, you know, it was not like five pages yeah. or anything. But he read it and he said, okay. And I said, I would like to try. May or may not work. Mm. He's like, okay. Cool. And I'm like, are you going to be there though? Because that's the thing, mm. right? You are not there. Really, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, I will try. And I said, is this? I will try like my husband <laughs> says to me. I will try. Which means no. And he's like, no, no, I will be there. And he was there. But not many doctors do this. Right. So if... You always have to say that if you are not there, can you please make sure that all your colleagues are aware of the things that we discussed? Because if you discuss... But they're things, older than me, so I can't tell them. <laughs> so that's a problem. And that's why you have to discuss it. Because then you could have a facility where they say, you know what, if my sumba is there, mm. then it may not happen. Yeah. But then you know, you have to know in advance. Mm. There's so much you cannot control about labor. I think here But there are things that you can control. I think here is just assume that it's not going to ha- Whatever you had thought of or planned, it's not going to happen No, here. that's not true. My plan happened. Okay. Yes, but I mean, in, in general, there's a, um, the stars have to be perfectly aligned for whatever your plan was no, to work you out. you have to be really good at discussing your preferences yeah. in advance mm. and negotiating. So we don't call it a birth plan anymore. Mm-hmm. We call it a birth preference sheet because those are preferences. It's a, People have this idea that it's like a contract of sorts. Mm. Right. It's not. Like, obviously, in a medical emergency, the sure. doctor will save your life and the baby's life. That's everybody's priority. And right. Nobody's going to like, oh, but she said she didn't want a C-section. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not performing one. <laughs> No, obviously that's not going to happen. But then it's about discussing things so that you will find out. So if I say, I want my husband in the room the whole time, and this doctor is like, but we don't allow that. Okay, so what are we going to do? Mm. Yeah. We have to talk about it. But if I don't sure. say what I want, there's no way I'm going to find mm. out. And also, like, don't ask closed questions. You have to ask open-ended questions. Right. So what's your policy about husbands in the birth room we don't, mm-hmm. have don't say don't give them the opportunity <laughs> right. to say no. oh yes, yes or, or no yeah. mm-hmm. right you want them to explain things to mm-hmm. you but but i guess i guess what i was saying with the stars aligning stuff is that it becomes so kichana or himdara that most people if here people started that most people would probably just give up and say okay whatever whatever you want to do fine we don't have many options did you have any problems i mean we said we want natural birth and whatever there was i was in the room and there was no i didn't have any well my birthing course was called like calming birthing or calm birthing F- <laughs> was it calm i don't want to get sued Maybe. for anything <laughs> <laughs> we will not and there was anything. there was nothing calm about it <laughs> I, I thought i was in like uh summer slack yeah. or something man <laughs> there was nothing calm about it like all the stuff with from music and this guy's like the hell you got music for <laughs> 
your calming birthing thing, we talked about it. We talked to three doctors about it. Like, that's what you guys said. You guys told us that that was a good thing to do, and this is calming to, to dim the lights. No, freaking 8 million watts shining right in your face. Like, I was like, what happened to the calming <laughs> birthing that man. you guys introduced us to? Get the fire. So, no, no. You know what? In the end, no. The in, kids are born with No. James Hetfield this delivers is, your kid. What, like, first world problems, right? I mean, yeah. you, if you have kids and they got five fingers, five toes, whatever, be happy. Right. But No, not five fingers, five toes. That's not okay. <laughs> Ten. You, you want sorry. ten, yeah. <laughs> but but you, know, you know, you understand what I'm getting, right? I'm sorry, I was trying to... Not, not yes. the toes of that, but I mean, they make uh, it so uncomfortable that unless you're <clears throat> independently strong like you are, to go, like for me, I gotta, then I got to question that and my wife, and it's just, it's not worth it. So you just give in. Okay, fine, whatever. So it's Let's not do worth it. it. That is the issue. It, but it goes back to what she said originally, that you should be calm and relaxed and kind of let the let the wife steer the steer the boat. You nope. have to trust the person, the people around you. And mm. like, I'm sure that your wife in that moment did not want you to be fighting with the doctors and nurses. Oh, I, there That's- was no major, this was like the consultations and stuff all leading up. But, but when I went <laughs> it in was there, a relaxed even after, summer even after my wife, <laughs> my oh, wife was birthing. like, what the hell kind of coming birthing was that? Like, so what happened the second time yeah, around? Bubbo did. The second time around? I was there for that one. You were? Yep. In person? I was teaching downstairs. I went up, said hello. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> is that your first one, I think? I, been, I would have been Oh, it was, yeah. I stopped by on the first one there. Yeah. We're, um, we're but, close. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the second one, at least you know what to expect. Crazy. Oh, I, I don't mean crazy like that. I just... It, it was... The first... Like, man, we ended up... Which one was... 2016 was the Olympics? Or 2014? Yeah. 14. 14. 14. Yeah. So... I mean, we ended up in the room. It was 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night. Same thing. The guy wanted it to get done before the shift change or whatever. Put us in a room of 10 people. It was me and nine ladies' mother-in-laws snoring logs. I'm laying on a six-inch wide bench. <laughs> it was my sleeping thing for a guy like triple the size of a regular but Korean. But it was after the birth? Yeah. Okay. After the birth. Uh, and then we ended up with the VIP room because I said, listen. But my, if that's what I said. Like, if they're given the options, they don't know. I said, yo, bo. 200 bucks for the VIP room, get it and relax and be fine. You really want to stay with 10 people in, in a room? Like, and march downstairs, the North Korean style, march downstairs for breastfeeding. We said we wanted the baby in our room. They thought that was crazy, but they thought the wig was crazy. So they, they let us. Listen, I had my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, her husband, two kids, my, my mom and my sister. And That's we... a lot of people. During the Olympics. Yeah, but... but this was all people that were against it, but they had no idea. So there's like they were all against it until we got the room, and then all of a sudden they all showed up. Against and the, what? Mo, having the baby in your room, having my mom and sister there. Ah, uh, the okay. The baby stays in the baby room, and you go down and breastfeed. No, no, she stays here. I'll hold her all night. I'll hold her for six months. Yeah. I'll take. I'll do everything I can. I'll get breast milk if I can do it. Mm. I will do it. You might. So. So the second, the second one was 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 Lena, and I said, so you're not going to do the Jody Wan, you're not going to do the stuff. So she gave birth, and it was at the I think the nighttime feed is like nine o'clock, and at ten o'clock we gave birth six or seven o'clock, at like ten o'clock or eleven o'clock I went downstairs, and I you can speak to this maybe, I went downstairs because I said. I got nothing to do here. All these harmonies are sleeping and snore and everybody's tired and grumpy. And I'm going downstairs and I went to the nursing room, baby number 26, whatever. And they're like, I'm like, there's no 
feeding now for the night. I just want to hold my baby. Is that okay? She opened that door. It sounded like 500 babies screaming at the top oh, of their lungs. No. And this was the university student, right, who's there for the overnight shift. Like three uni girls and one real nurse. And I was like, this is insane. And it might have been 20, but it sounded like a million babies screaming. Can I have my baby? Bring the baby. I sat on that sofa all night. That's fantastic that they let with, you because usually they do not allow anyone in the nursing room. Right. Mm. I, well, other, other than the pregnant person. My wife said, you can't, you can't, you can't. I'm just going to try. Right. So I had it. And then sure enough, three hours later, like the walking dead, the door opens. And I was like, who the hell's coming down to feed at two in the morning? And it was my wife because <laughs> she didn't want to miss out. Yeah. I said, listen, I, I hope you're okay. You're under drugs. You're, you're woozy and stuff. I'm just going to sit here with the kid all, all, all night until they tell me, no, it's morning feeding time. Go home or, or go back to your room. And I sat there, and then my wife came, and we sat there with our kid. You can hear all the other babies screaming, and I was like, who would ever leave their kid like that? Well, well not all. A tired mom who here? just gave birth? No. Yeah. I, I, no. Without a, without a and supposed to dad has to go. Yeah. But, hold, but hold on. Dads have this, to work. <laughs> these are kids who, who have been born a week ago. It's not all ones who came no, five minutes ago. No, no but that's the, the Jody one. But that's a it's that's the a same point. Building. That's a point. No, again, I don't think it would. I'm I'm on your side, but the reason they do that, the reason you pay for Jordy one, is so the the woman's got time to to relax or, or I, get back to a regular I guess, schedule. Robert, you know? I, I get huh. that part. I, I, Not 100%. everybody has as supportive a partner as mm. involved right, as right, right. you are. Sure. Many Korean dads, like my husband, had three days of work. Mm. He went to work for one and a half of those three days sure. because no Korean man takes the whole three days. Right. Yeah. Oh. So I'm like, you'll be cleaning <laughs> toilets tomorrow. Your boss will have you doing some um, other crappy job. I have a quote that I use for my classes, and that's, "If you don't know your options, you don't have any." Right. Yeah. Mm. That 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 that, that sums, fits Korean. That sums everything up. Yeah. Right. So you want to know. You don't want to come to the point where you get into your birthing facility in labor. So in a certain amount of Let's not call it pain, let's say sensations, strong sensations, a certain degree of anxiety, fear, very, very normal. And you have to discuss things in the moment. You have to discuss right. everything beforehand. Yeah. You have to have a good advocate. Clearly, you're a good advocate. Not everybody has a good advocate. That's why many people hire a doula. Mm. A doula's job is not to advocate, though. I cannot put myself between my clients and the doctor. That's how you get kicked out of hospital. And then that doesn't <laughs> <learned>. help anyone. <laughs> yeah. um, I did not complain in the moment. I complained afterwards. Yeah. Well, they asked me, how was the birth? And I said, it was horrible. <laughs> and, then, and they asked me why. And I explained why. Sure enough, the next time I go there, I'm not welcome anymore. But I thought the person who asked me should know the truth. I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote down, how are you received by doctors? in terms, Like... I, I think in Korea, if you showed up with a doula, it would mean you don't trust me. And that's why you got a doula. There is that perception, And, and that would yes. automatically make it like a us vs them. It's me and my doula. It's like your personal you. security. Hey, so what out. I usually do, I... So I wonder if, how, you get, how you're received in the hospitals and by doctors because... If it's a doctor I've never worked with, I go to the 38-week appointment. I introduce myself. I explain that I am there to help the birthing person person and their partner and ultimately everybody else as well because I do a little bit of translation. I'm not a translator mm. of Korean, but I do help with communication. The midwives at the hospital, uh, the hospitals I usually work at, which is uh, one in Gimen, one in, in Busan, they love me. They yeah. hug me. They kiss me. Nice. They give me food. Nice. Uh, the doctors are, I have good working relationships with all the doctors. But um, the midwives understand you're there and, for, and you're supporting women and, and women's rights and and they beg me to go like they sure. call me and they're like there's 
somebody here giving birth at Fortnite. Can you come? I'm like, but she's not my client. <laughs> she hasn't hired no, but me. They, I but they understand how yes. important and valuable you are and how you can ease the whole right. situation. Right. Because more often than not, there's an issue of communication. There's an issue of like cultural differences. And of course, like giving birth is already like a very emotional experience for most people giving birth in a foreign country in a pandemic i feel so much for all my clients who've been Wild, giving birth yeah. in the past couple of years it's really hard you don't have family coming in you have to have a COVID yeah. test when you come in yeah. i had a client we shop at the birth and her husband had a little bit of a fever and like we had to be wait for his like uh test and it was really stressful so labor her labor stopped in its tracks that's what happened yeah like she was in labor she gets to the hospital husband has a fever she went into labor the next day mm. even though this was her second baby we thought she was going to be done in a matter mm. of hours i had another mom here in ulsan and she was having contractions on a friday they told her that she would not be able to have an epidural over the weekend yeah. And yeah. for I'm <laughs> on a Monday, yeah. yes, anesthesiologist is not Glam. there, yeah. so you cannot have it. But that, that's what so, I was saying before. Like it's all about convenience for yeah. the doctors and the well, people. Well, but working. they tell you how, what, right. what do you do? You say no, doctor, you have to come and yeah. no, no. And also, you don't want the doctor. You don't want to be the doctor's guinea pig. The doctor's like, oh, I can do it. No, 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 no. I want the trained right. person yeah. to do it. So she not just a needle in the spine. That's she goes into. <laughs> can paralyze you forever. Did, yeah. but, um, she goes into labor on a Friday. This was second baby, so second birth tend to be faster. Right. Uh, she goes into labor on a Friday night. She starts having contractions, and uh, and she's like, but it's Friday. My my the anesthesiologist is not going to be there. Labor stops in its tracks. She goes to the beach over the weekend. She sends me pictures in the water. And Monday morning, <laughs> sure enough, she goes into labor, has her baby. Those Jeez, stress hormones are powerful. <laughs> Wild. They're and another powerful. One, speaking on that one, that was the one, like Gina, five or six o'clock. Hello, ma'am. You have to decide now if you want an epidural or not. The anesthesiologist is going home. Right. Yes. And I was like, what a sh I didn't say anything. I said, whatever you think. But... Like, I'm not here to argue and this stuff, like, whatever you think. And she was like, well, I don't know if I do, but I don't want to miss the chance because if yes. I do, I'm going to hate yes. everybody here forever. Like, what a spot to put someone in. I mean, well, it's 6 o'clock, time to go home. So, so if you want it now or not, you might he's not He's just really sitting there it. looking at his watch. Then, like, come on, bud. Make a decision. So if you, think, if you think that you may want an epidural, you have to discuss epidural policy in advance. So what's your policy? In most Korean places, it's only available during office hours. It's only available between 4 and 8 centimeters of dilation. Mm, if yeah. it's too early or if it's too late, they don't give it to you. It's usually one dose and maybe a second one, but the second one is weaker than the first. It's not continuous like people who give birth in the states would expect right and it's what we would consider a walk-in epidural so it's a much lighter dosage or it's a different mix of drugs and it does not take all the sensations off mm -hmm. it just takes the edge off but then it depends because the way that we metabolize drugs is different so i have clients who had complete pain relief a minority and most of my clients just had just, yeah, taking the edge off, letting mm. you rest for a while. So it's different if you expect, like, no sensations from the waist down and yeah. you give birth, like, you know, yeah. reading a book. Freeze that's, them up. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Okay, so I have a question then. Because I, I didn't I didn't understand an epidural like that when we went. I thought it was just you're frozen and you don't feel anything. And that, that's kind of what people can be. had said in my past. You if know, you have a C-section, oh, there's, there's a there's a uh, spectrum. spectrum yeah. yeah. Well, but, they would give you a different mix of drugs. Like, mm. if you have a C-section, of course, they're giving you the... The Strong good epidural, the one that yeah, takes yeah. all the pain away. You but, would feel but something, one, but not. So this one was, they came in and said, okay, you're this many centimeters. We're going to turn the epidural down. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, 
Yeah, turn it off. So then you can feel the yes, contraction, the so you can yes. push. Yes. Is that like I just thought you just it's got it? I thought you just got it, and that was it. And no, you, so they give you, you in Korea. Feel. It's a little bit different because back home, like Italy, the states, it's continuous. So they give it to you, and you don't feel anything until you have your baby. There is a higher risk of lacerations if you push without feeling right. the the contraction. Mm. Um, so in Korea, they want to avoid that. They want you to feel the pushing ah. contractions because it's your body that pushes. You don't. You can help. But your uterus can actually. Well, that's why they said we'll turn it down because we out. need you, we need you to push at to the right feel. time. Yeah, well, they and, and they, you, they but... come in and check. Hey, does how does it feel? Oh, it hurts lots. So then they turn it up a little bit, and they say, okay, now it's time. So we'll turn it down a little bit. And I thought, wow, that's just like a magic wheel. Like if, if it hurts too much, you just turn it up a little bit. And if it if it's time to push, then they turn it down <laughs> so you can feel it and you know when to you push. You sure there was the epidural? Though? I haven't seen that happen. Because usually it's one shot, so it's different. It's not <laughs> continuous like back home. It's one shot. It lasts about two hours. And then, again, you can have maybe another one if if the timing yeah. is right. And the second one again. In some cases, you can have more than two. Uh, but in many places, see, I'm learning. I'm learning again. I thought it was one shot. You're frozen till the baby that, comes that's out. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But well, so now I want to inquire because then. I would say that this was a continuous one. So you have to ask your hospital, what are yeah. their epidural policies? Don't yeah. ask, is it one shot? Doctor mm. may say yes or no. Show. No, ask them. Like, well, this what, was six, what seven years ago. It was I'm a lot wiser now <laughs> than I was then. But so same, you, I thought it was just, and what other people would say was just, you get a shot and and you don't feel anything. And it's a couple of hours. So if yeah. they give it to you late enough, one may be enough. But for mm. most people, it's it's not. Now, you had a question about drug free, drug free versus natural versus natural. Yeah, birth. Uh, all the, the just the terminology. Now you you hear people say I had a natural birth, and they say, is natural mean not? A C-section, or I noticed yours says unmedicated. Yeah. Unmedicated, that's what it was. Yeah. Because does an epidural count as natural because it came through the natural so, yeah. birth cavity, or in theory, natural would be unmedicated, but there's a little bit. So now we say many people say natural as a synonym to uh, of um, birth. genital birth. Yes. Right. Okay, okay, okay. We try to you. use inclusive language. We don't mm-hmm. say vaginal oh. anymore. We say genital. Is there a different way that I'm not aware of? <laughs> hey, squeeze it not through your hose. Everybody, not everybody who can give birth identifies as a woman or a mother and okay. is comfortable with the word vagina. But isn't that where it comes from, that part? It's a body part, but lots of people, well, not lots of people. Uh, there's people who don't identify as women, so you wouldn't call it a vagina. You would just call it their genitals. But it is a vagina. Oh, it's a big... Yes, I, but, I mean, I follow this if, stuff a little bit. I don't want to get into a... a... If, um, if that person is not comfortable with that word, oh. we try not to use that word. Genitals it is. Called it is. So if I say genital, mm. as a woman, as a cis woman, mm. I'm not offended if they say my genitals, right? Mm. But if I say to a trans person, a trans man who gives birth, because that's possible, if I say your vagina, that may not be okay. To each their own, I love it. Inclusiveness is fine. Inclusive but, language but, is important. It's very, very important. We now know that not everybody who gives birth identifies as a woman. Not everybody who has a uterus identifies as a mother or a woman. Yeah. Could be a trans man. Okay. A person who transitioned Wait, but I, kept I think, their genitals. I think I've changed lots in my, in my views and stuff, but I got a long way to go still. Mm. Well, you just don't know. Um, and that, I've never heard of. I mean, uh, I can imagine that that comes up in in America, but living here, I you know that well, you're blinded gen- to that kind of know. stuff. I had the isn't it client? important, like in terms of medical stuff? Like, <laughs> I think magically, pretty... genitals are genitals. Yeah, it doesn't but, change like, anything. Color, yeah, there has color, to be like a literature 
But that's the thing. Like, the where, do these, where do these titles and names right? come from? It's I mean, they didn't exist to two million years ago. So, for example, we have research now on trans pregnancy. And we know that a female to a person who transitions from assigned female at birth to male, so a trans man, if they retain, obviously they have to retain their uterus and ovaries to be able to conceive. Right. Yeah. They can be on testosterone for, I think, up to 10 years. I think, I think even and more. And still than get that. pregnant? They can still get pregnant. So they can stop testosterone and within three months, usually their period returns. And within six months, they have the same chances of getting pregnant wow. as somebody who's never taken testosterone. Huh. So they can conceive. They have the same chances. Not everybody yeah. conceives easily. Sure. On the other hand, somebody who transitions from assigned male at birth to female and wants to have biological children, they're going to have to freeze their semen because right. the moment they start taking female hormones, Done. the quality of their semen goes down and there's no way it's going to pick up again. So if somebody's going to transition, again, you don't know your options, right? You have to let them know if sometime no, down the line yeah. you want to have biological children, you're yeah. going to have to freeze your semen now. Oh. Yeah. If they choose to have the genitals removed, I don't know how appropriate this is for your podcast, but if they choose to have their male genitals removed, they can extract the semen in that moment because people may have dysphoria. People may not want to um, have a collect a sample the traditional way. It may not be okay. So it can be extracted with a syringe, but they have to freeze it. (laughs) (laughs) With anesthesia, I think. (laughs) Oh, no. You still got a a needle's going. I'm okay with the traditional way. (laughs) (laughs) You are, clearly, but not everybody. So so that's the thing. Many people transition when they're too young to think about having children. So you have to tell somebody. If you ever want to have biological children, you have to do this before you start taking hormones. Yeah, that is great. It's and and, and, and looking, looking back it. 50 years from now, like I said, Gina and Lena will be saying like, did you really think only men and women could get married? Right. And they'll think we were crazy. And yeah. this and this is the right. same thing. Like freezing <laughs> your semen at, in middle school will be like a regular <laughs> thing because who the hell knows what's going to happen 20 years later. And in some, <laughs> in some U.S. Know, yeah. states, it's free. I don't so you can do it for free in some American states yes. and in some others you cannot. And here, I don't think anybody has any idea. But, <laughs> right? But, but now that we know, there is research. There is yeah. uh, limited research, but it's there. So I personally, oh. I believe it doesn't cost us anything right. to use inclusive language, to become educated on yep. these issues. Course, yeah. Because we are, well, I identify as a cis woman. But I am aware that not everybody does. Mm. So I identify as Nate. <laughs> whatever you, whatever you see me or call me, that's fine. I just well, that's fine to you. But what about if I told you that somebody is not comfortable with being called Nate? They want to be called Natalie. No, no, I'm. Even I, they, I mean, I'm called Nate, and you can call me Nate. Right. Whatever so you think us, or consider me is yeah. fine. I don't for care. For us, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But there's people for whom it matters. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, I got so, no problem. I can. And people yeah. are like. If you know, you should have done it before, and they're like, yeah. I didn't know, but now we do know. So <laughs> but this, call, be, this stuff in this environment is changing faster than we can yeah. shake right. a stick right. at, and I've, I think I've changed quite a bit with it along the way. I think my parents have a little bit harder time acknowledging and understanding how this can, mm-hmm. this can be. But yeah, I mean, you got to think twenty years later, this is normal. Like this is, there's going to be something else that you've never thought of that becomes this. As the majority, in this case, cis people, we have a responsibility to protect the minority. That's how I feel yeah. about this. Mm. Uh, there was a case like a couple of days ago with Lizzo saying a word in a song. Have you heard about this? No. The controversy? I, just, the, I, I saw a picture of someone of named Lizzo and then a middle school student was like, do you know Lizzo? I don't know. So who Lizzo is a singer. Okay. She's a black woman. 
And she's a very inclusive person. She's always making efforts to be very inclusive, but not just body positive, but uh, she's a fat black woman. So yeah. we use the word fat. We're not scared by the word. And in one of her songs, she used a, a word that <laughs> is considered a slur in... What was the Brit- word? What, spaz. Spaz? Yes. So it refers to spastic, spastic? Yeah. which means like people who that have c- cerebral palsy. Yeah, okay. It's considered a... a a slur in, I think, British and Australian English, not American English. Okay. So people told her, like, why would you use that word? She had no idea. She changed the word. In because the she was she raised in America. Yes, she's American. Huh. So she re-recorded her whole song <coughs> and fixed it and says, huh. I didn't know. Thank you for letting me know. I'm educated now. She yeah. changed the whole song. Yeah. That's what we should do. Like, yeah. somebody at what tells point, me. At what point do you have to stop doing that, though? Because, I mean. If you use the word fag in America, it, right. it's a derogatory word for yes. thing. But if you go to England... It's a cigarette. It's a cigarette. Yeah. Yes. So at what point do we have to... So if somebody tells you mm. that word in uh, in the States, it means, mm. you know, it's a derogatory term for a homosexual person. Mm. Would you still use it? If I was born and raised in England and smoked? Probably. No, but, but you wouldn't use it within America. someone in front of you says that it hurts mm. them, you just don't oh. want to be an asshole, right? Don't be an but, asshole. That's oh, a rule yeah. of life. <laughs> of course. It's a really good one. Okay, I'm going to bring our, our friend Alan McKaylee into this. He posted one this morning that I looked and I went, A+. Cheers to all the people who can change their mind when presented with information that contradicts their beliefs. In Italian, we say only stupids never change their mind. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen it now in my parents and through most of my friends and stuff that have been here. We had some of these conversations five, ten years ago thinking stuff's crazy, but... We we change we've changed our thinking we've changed our ways and why wouldn't you like for example the word doula the word doula comes from Greek and we have been taught that it means servant so as a doula I am a servant to the birthing family but actually what it means is slave mm. so people with uh, um, people who are the descendants of victims of slavery they resent the word mm. they're like I don't want to be called a slave if my grandmother was a victim of slavery. Mm. And so now there's a movement. We're trying to change the word. We just kind of come up with, at this time, we haven't come up with a better word yet. Servant. But, well, yes, <laughs> uh, whatever. Like, if I know that a word that I'm using is hurting somebody, why would I go on and use It's a word. But words do define reality in the same word that reality defines language, right? It's, we have a responsibility. If it, I it's know evolution, right? It's not going to stop. And I think some people think, like, where do we draw the line or what's what's the perfect and it never will be. The answer is it never will be. It'll always but be changing. I, that's the same as the LGBTQ original LGBT B-T-Q. was original. A plus. Yeah. And then. But now, you know, as soon as. I mean, that's the same with the words, too. As soon as this one's accepted, then you just go to the next one. It, it, it's good to be progressive and. But that's yeah. what I mean. It's evolution. It's never going to be perfect because and we'll always be trying to make it. If that's going to help somebody not jump off a bridge, sure. yeah. why wouldn't you use it's a word? Of course. The LGBTQ. I, what is it now? It's, I think, it's, well. You just the, say plus. It's okay. What I use LGBTQIA. There's a two in there, too. It's like two. two. <laughs> there's a number two. I swear to God. Nice. Yeah. Two LGB. I think there's the two is bi. Or but I don't think that anybody mm. would attack you for missing one of the girls. Yeah. One no, of the that's, letters that's not, of the acronym. That's, yeah. not the, that's not the point. When you when you're constantly, you know, once this is the defined group or kind of the protected group, then the next disenfranchised group says, "Oh, we want to be in too." And mm-hmm. Then you add them. Then we want to be in tune. Yeah, that, but then doesn't it come down to just everyone's? You, you're an individual. I'll treat you as that. Not yeah. not yes. being identified as part of the group. Yes, but so, if you don't define them, like if you don't give them a name, hmm. 
you are basically um, canceling their experience. You are ignoring their experience. No, I'm judging you them just, as an individual, no? You, okay. You can be, yeah. Okay. Not, not just defining it. I would hate to be defined just as a bald guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but why do we resent, why do we resent Weigugin so much? As foreigners in Korea, yeah. why do we resent yeah. it so much? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's ignorant, a good point. Right? We are Weigugin, so why do we resent it? Because it doesn't take into account our individual experiences, right? I am not a Weigugin. I am Adele from Italy. And I want to be considered, and I don't want to be grouped into this yeah. gigantic. I'm a Wagyu. Okay, so hold on. That, point it out every time. No, no. But that, <laughs> I, big I'm, a, I'm a Wagyu. It's fine. I got no problem with that. Hold but on. You don't have to point it out all day, every day. You're you're making the same point as I am. That why would you want to be identified as part of that group? Why why wouldn't you want to be? I I want to be identified as an individual. Do you understand? Like so the. After we add 15 more letters and everyone's just accepted, then what do we, what do we do? You're taking into account their experience. Yeah. You're making their life a little bit easier. You are saying, I see you. Okay. I know that you are a minority and yeah. I know that you're different and mm. I'm going to do my best as part of the majority you. to okay. So this is almost like an rights. in-between. This is an, maybe an in-between stage before everyone's just accepted as an individual. Yes. And we don't need... Exactly. Okay. We don't need we're labels anymore. We're in a transition anymore. period. Yes. But, uh, that, yes. That, and that's going to take some time. We're all these trans. discussions and these kind of <laughs> topics make me <clears throat> question like life and, and history in the world in general. Like, Where did these boxes come from? Who invented these male, female... So where where, do, where do they why come from? Say, why why do we use all these titles and why can't we change them? Somebody exactly. made them. Why do, do we know, use why the titles? Make do you know ones? why we say assigned male at birth, assigned female at birth? Because they look at your genitals. Yes. So a doctor looks in between the baby's legs. Based on what they see, they decide. If they're not sure, because you may have ambiguous genitalia, you may have a micro penis, you may have a, an extra yeah, you got, clitoris. You got a you got. A nutsack, no? You have testicles. <laughs> testicles. They, may be, they may be shrunk. They may not have descended. That's very common. Okay, yeah. So a doctor says, I'm not sure. Cut it off. You're a girl. That's what they did in the past. That's what they still do in many places of the world. That's a very, very small percentage, though, yes. isn't it? Okay. Yes. Well, intersex people are about yeah. one in 2,000. But many people don't know that they That's are. A lot. Which intersex? One in 2,000. Yeah. Intersex is somebody who is not... Chromosome Well, we have, sev- we have like, I think it's seven different parameters. Hmm. Between gender identity, gender orientation, uh, external sex traits, internal sex traits. So you could have somebody who presents as a woman, and then they may have internal male traits. They may have testes yeah. that so, have not descended. They would be intersex. Or they could be <coughs> XXY. You okay. don't know. Have yeah, you been yeah, tested? Yeah, have yeah, you had yeah. the DNA tested? You don't know. Yeah. You could I've been be... telling him he's half Ajima for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, we, now we know more. Now we have genetic testing. But 20 years ago, mm. what do you know? You see in between the legs, oh, this yeah. baby has what appears to be a penis. So mm. but you're a boy. It's mm. more often than not the other way around. Mm. Like the penis is very small. <laughs> it's a girl. They would remove the testicles and this person would live as a girl. Only to find out much later in life Oof. that... You know, when they are given a chance to explore the gender identity starts developing around age three to four. So if you're given a, a small a toddler a chance to express their yeah. gender identity, they will. You have little boys who wear dresses and so on. So right. people are like, Oh, but that's a and face. Is, it may not be. It may not be. Th- this is this is why and I think at when it when this stuff when when, maybe ten years ago, when they said like why do boys wear blue and girls wear pink? And and I really started questioning the world and like, well, why do they? And where did that yeah. come from? And that the first study, whenever it was, 15 years ago or something, if you let these three, four, five-year-olds choose, mm-hmm. 
most boys would pick pink because it's a bright, happy color instead of blue. What, what, what is that? Is that your opinion? No, I don't. This is the the research that was to to show you that it's not bullshit and just people making up that. I've, oh, they they can they can start understanding. As far as I know, the give you know in a in a neutral environment or you know set up for experiment or whatever. I think boys naturally. But not, I don't know about color, but they naturally progress towards like boys kind of toys and girls. There's an experiment with monkeys that was made, right? They give monkeys toys and the monkeys, like female well, monkeys, went with, towards. I think it's with like kids. I think it's with human kids that boys naturally progress towards um, like cars, cars and, 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 and yeah. yeah. And girls would naturally progress towards using. I, I see it in my kids. I don't know if that's. Yeah, but uh, we're my, in a society my, that promotes exactly. boys with kids and girls. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. the studies that I've looked at before, and I'll try and find them and post them on here, but for colors and toys and those things and dresses and the stuff. The kids were raised in a vacuum? No. So but they must be influenced too, no? Yeah. No, but there has to be like a big commercial influence as well, right? Yes. If you have like yes. pink compass box and blue compass box, overall more compass boxes are supposed to be sold mm. rather than just yeah. not having labels to them, right? But that our society pushes blue for boys, pink for girls, cars for boys, dolls for girls. But that's the thing. There's so many kids, boys who play with dolls and so many girls play with trucks. So that's not a gender identity thing, though. Like, it's more of a like a personal preference thing. Preference yeah. thing. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's more complex than that. But we do know that people who are trans mm. find out when they're really young. Mm. And then many of them, I don't want to say most, but many of them just repress it. Right. Mm. Because... They cannot, right, come should, out in their environment. Uh, and the suicide rate is extremely high. Yeah. Should, uh, what, what do you think? I don't know how far we want to go down this uh, down this road. But <laughs> We've gone down a lot already. What do you think about parents uh, giving their kids hormones? At, that, Like they look at their kid at four or five years Carbine. old. Well, dude, yeah, younger, younger. Well, than but, that. You, but you cannot just give your child hormones. Like you have or to hormone have a blockers and stuff like that. Yeah, so puberty blockers. But puberty you have blocker, to yeah. have a professional assessment. You cannot just give them like. Of course, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to, and there's people who transition and people who detransition, so that it's complicated. <coughs> I don't mm. think that we can. I don't. I don't think that we can just say, "Oh, it's right," or "Oh, it's wrong." Mm. I do think that people should have bodily autonomy. I do think that for somebody who is experiencing dysphoria, meaning that they are not comfortable with the way that their body yeah. looks i think they should have a chance to change that mm. and then if down the line they change their mind because they realize that was not the point then we do have the medical means to detransition yeah. so why not doing it too but early, is the question at what age right can they right. make that, that decision. decision or the right decision like i mean but look at someone who gets an eight-year-old but that's a parent how many people have regretted tat <clears throat> you know yes. getting a tattoo at 13 or 14 <laughs> can you imagine yeah you know it's not easy. You, know, you don't just go to the pediatrician and say, hey, I want hormones for my child. Yeah, the yeah. transition process is a long process and it's it requires lots of like psychological assessments. Mm. And I do think that people who are sure, there's mm. children who are absolutely positive yeah. that mm. this is not their body, it's not what they want. And again, yeah. suicide rates. Yeah. So what do I want to put on the on on the plates of the balance right? I think as a, as a parent but it's probably as a parent, really hard. as a parent you sometimes have to make medical decisions for your child it's not just yeah. about their sexual but it's uh, not just that you choose trait. what they eat you choose their religion exactly. you choose everything I mean, exactly. we don't we don't think about that but you do like what? I went to a Catholic church because my mom was Catholic that yes. was it but now she might think differently of that I ate with mm -hmm. a fork because they ate with forks yes. but now I don't 
I gotta, we made medical decisions. Guys, I don't want to get into vaccinations, but we make medical decisions for our children all the time. That's guys, a medical decision that you have to assess based on your individual child's mm, situation. Mm. And what you also feel in your gut as a parent, I think you would know. Yeah. I think you would for know. Sure. If you guys said the hormone suppressors. And I, I don't know what they are for, for that puberty blockers. Mm-hmm. Oh, for that, yeah. But I have a, you have two girls. I got two girls. They're getting towards those ages. Mm. In Korea, you said they need a professional and this and that. But I somehow believe that these are very liberally given out for girls. I don't know for boys. For girls to suppress puberty. and To it, delay it, puberty. To delay puberty and helps them. The parents that I've talked to said it, it'll make their kids grow. In Korea? Yeah. It'll grow taller. And they don't want oh. their daughters getting their periods too young. And they give them these hormone suppressors. Do you know anything about that? I do not. I haven't heard about this. Oh, dude, that's... I know they give... I've talked to several people who have done that. I've talked to lots, lots. I know that Korean parents give their children hormones to grow taller. I didn't know. And I don't know if it's (laughs) the same category as puberty blockers. We know that once puberty... I know that once puberty begins, basically, you stop growing as much, right? Your height is kind of like... I didn't know about this. I don't think that's okay. Because Mm. you're not doing it for... Because your your child is experiencing distress in their own body, and mm. you're just doing it because you want your child to be taller. Again, you don't, it's don't mess with it's hormones. Natural. What is natural? Being a human, being alive. Yeah. Taking hormones to be taller is no, natural? no. I mean, like just whatever. Whenever your puberty hits, it hits. I mean, that's yes, exactly. that's life. I mean, and there is like why early puberty all these is things? increasingly common because of all the hormones in our environment, yeah. and so. <clears throat> If, if it's a medical thing, and again, and then different people have different levels of comfort with medical right. intervention. We mm. go back to birth. Mm. There's people yeah. who are like, you know what? I don't want to do labor. I want a C-section. Yeah. I want to plan Give it. Give me all the drugs. Yeah. Yes. And I don't want to feel anything wonderful. That's your body. It's your choice. Mm. You're making a decision. Thankfully, you are at a time and in a country where you can do this safely. Yeah. And if you don't want to hear about all the advantages of natural birth, I don't have to school you. It's your decision. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this idea that a doula would force you to have an unmedicated birth. Mm. No. Right. I want you to have the kind of birth that you want to have, yeah. that you feel is good and right for you. And I'm there to support you. Some doulas have boundaries. Some doulas would not attend plan C-sections. Some doulas would not attend very medicalized births. Mm. It's in their power but then you know you have to be very clear with your client about this you want to have an induction i'm not the right person for you because if you cannot support that person because you have your own baggage you do not belong in that room Mm. anybody in that room should be supportive of the person giving birth cool how often do you decline someone you said you have to choose them or they have to choose you but how often will you decline someone? The only one time I've declined somebody was because of uh, COVID. Crazy husband. And uh, no, <laughs> I am so lucky with my, seriously, I have the best yeah. clients. Um, I have not declined anyone. Oh, I had declined one person because, um, because COVID was mm. getting started and I was very afraid that I might bring the virus into the hospital. Right. Yeah. And I was terrified. I actually talked to a lawyer. I mm. said, what happens if I bring the virus into a hospital? Can they sue me? Can I go to prison? And she's like, no, you would have to do that intentionally. But having children who went to school and my husband went to work, I yeah. was home the whole time, but I was really worried. I'm like, I'm sorry, I could not. If I was there and scared, I, there's no point in me. Yeah, yeah. I would make things worse. Yeah. So, And Catherine, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Still, <laughs> seriously. Uh, she had a... Uh, a uh, good birth I think right. um, and but I, I still feel very bad about and also I, I would decline people if I know that I may not be in the country at the time that they might give birth yeah. because you have to be there available on call 
Okay, well, that, that goes so, to my next one. Um, my boundaries, um, I haven't had a chance to explore my boundaries, and I think boundaries should be flexible. Like, I don't have any absolutes. Like, I would never support somebody in this kind of situation. I don't mm -hmm. have that. So, in a situation, based on the Which is situation, probably a good thing as a doula. Well, I think anybody should have, <laughs> flex again, well, flexible boundaries. Like, right. It's like be being a teacher, too. I mean, like, I'll never teach phonics right? or right? whatever. Right? Yeah, you yeah, cannot yeah. say that. It would, be, <laughs> it would be silly, I think. So you have to look at situations. You can have, like, general ideas of, like, mm. the kind of person I don't really want to work with. Well, preferences of who you do like to work with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't work with somebody who is aggressive towards me. Right. But it hasn't happened. Right. I'm a big you girl. say 30, 38 weeks onward. 24-7 on call. Yes. It means what no is, alcohol. What is, what is that like? Can you just talk a little bit about it? What it's like? Have you had any That's crazy 3 a.m. calls yeah. when your daughter's sick and you're supposed... All right. You know, how, how does it affect your life when you're down to the last two, three, could be four weeks maybe, and you've got to always be there? Yes. So no alcohol, no kimchi, no garlic, because nobody wants to smell that oh. in your breath. <laughs> wow. Uh, always gas in the car. The car has to be ready. Bag has to be packed. Phone has to be on. Mm. And you don't go anywhere. Got double you parked. Stay. Wow. If you if something happens, <laughs> I, it happened to me. I had somebody parked in front of my car. I had to be pushing cars at 3 a.m. Oh, it geez. happened. In Korea, yeah. it's a chance. So I would try and park in places where I know that my car would be yeah, blocked yeah. by other cars, but it has happened. Just being mindful of what you might have to do. Yeah. Yes, you have how to does, be ready to go. How does that impact daily life with the family? So, um, Mom, it's Grandma's birthday. Can't go. Sorry, Grandma. It hasn't, it hasn't happened to me on the day, but I've spent Christmases and New Year's at home mm. without drinking with my family only because I was on call. Mm. Sounds like it's, you're a big drinker. <laughs> no, I do enjoy my wine. I do enjoy my glass of wine. And when I'm on call, I don't. Again, and also no kimchi and no garlic because, well, now we have masks in the mm. birthing room. But when we did not, like you're very close to somebody yeah. you don't want. You got to smell your own kimchi breath. Is, yeah. is, does that affect uh, Young Tuck at all or no? So I've been very lucky oh, that many of again? my clients. I don't take many clients because I have no backup. So as a doula, you would usually have backup that if you kind of go, if a child right. is sick, as you mentioned, mm. you would call the other person. I don't have anyone here, mm. but I make this very clear with my clients and I have it in my contract that I have no backup. So if I experience a medical emergency or if my family experiences right. a medical emergency, then nobody can go and I just yeah. give them a refund. Yep. So I had COVID in April. I had COVID. Oh. Two days later, my client who was due that month has COVID. Jeez. My client gets out of COVID quarantine at midnight. She goes into labor at 6 a.m. But I had oh. just had COVID. So I was two days out of my quarantine. Laughing. It all worked yeah. well. Yeah. But if I was in COVID quarantine, I would have to cancel and give yeah. them wow. their money back. But the idea is that I would prepare them beforehand. Mm. I want to make myself superfluous. That would be a successful doula. Somebody who is no longer necessary because the parents are educated. They have the skills they need. They have yeah. explored their options and they are ready. And yep. they don't need me anymore. That would cool. be my ideal scenario as a doula. How many of your clients uh, have you been in the room for? Is it is that standard like mostly or some or not often? Or I missed a few births back when I didn't drive because um, I would travel by bus or my husband would take me. And so I missed. Actually, it was I missed two births and both of them were in Daegu. There's something in the water. People in Daegu give birth really fast and it's far. Um, but do you, do you always... expect that you're going to be in the room every time? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And how does that, are the doctors like, you know, we say like maybe it's a different doctor or is it like, oh, she's here. <laughs> or like, is it, they, they, is it they accept it, but 
we discussed they don't enjoy it or we discussed this in advance yeah, so they all so they're all okay with it but yes. what are you doing in the room like are you communicating with moral the support mother right? because i guess a lot of medical staff is also communicating yes yeah, so usually there's right? a, there's the doctor there would be like a couple of nurses if there's a midwife there may be a midwife and a nurse or just the doctor and the midwife depending on what time of day it is so i would be like everybody is looking in between the birthing person's legs basically mm. i would be holding their hand talking mm. to them helping them focus because <clears> when the baby starts appearing like the excitement is really right. palpable and mm. everybody's like yeah. and they kind of forget there's a person pushing them out right so and yeah. then the partner too <laughs> I was going to say, in your case, like, like the that's father. the husband's. That, that would be, in my case, my job. So where's the husband in this situation? Well, depending on the husband, obviously, depending on the partner, they may be, um, it's really hard to see. You've, you've seen it. It's really hard to see the person you love experiencing that kind of sensation. Yeah. Mm, sure. So they may be in Not need of support. Yeah. They may need ah, okay. support. Yeah. So I'm there for them too. Mm. I explain to them what's happening. I explain to the birthing person so like okay a, that's a lot of people in the room is it, it common is, to have korean husbands in the birthing no, rooms not at all they just in many oh. hospitals they ask the father to leave the mm. korean father to leave yes sorry bro but not everywhere is i i wrote it down and you said some of them aren't comfortable with it or whatever but the doctors and and lots of stories and lots of ajumas will say no no my husband you stayed in the room oh Korean men say if you see the baby come out, you'll never want to have sex again. Right. Not only Korean men. It's a very common misconception. It, it, is it? I don't know. Teach me. Um, well, first of all, I cannot speak for everybody. <laughs> right. But in my experience with my husband, so my husband, when I had my second baby, I did have a home birth and my husband actually received the baby. No so way. the midwife, I didn't know I'd this be because I was. I'd be afraid of a fumble. Young Tech a high five. Or <laughs> I, had no, I only found out after like a few days because I was standing up. I didn't Make sure he washes his hands first. Um, actually, in my experience, like fathers who are in the room and involved, they are in awe of this person. So if anything, it improves their sex life because now they see this person. As a different light, man. In, yes, as the powerful. You see the miracle. That they are. You see the miracle yes. happen. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't. Yeah. I'm not no. saying that no, it's, it's wild. impossible yeah, it's really because crazy. I know people who saw. So what I tell partners, I'm like, mm. if you don't think you want to see it, don't look at the business end like everybody mm. else. Go and hold your you wife's hands and look at her yeah. face. Yeah. 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 It's when the baby starts to emerge, though. It's impossible not to look. It's really hard not to sure. look. Crazy. Everybody's like, we can see the head, yeah. and everybody oh, wants see? to see the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But if the mother doesn't want, if the birthing person doesn't want, if the father doesn't want, you don't have to. Right. Something I wish I had known is that, and I don't know if this is common, but kid, my, my son came out. He's like purple. Yeah. Well, it takes a minute to pink up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one told me about the purple baby coming out. <laughs> Sometimes it's like it which was black. horrifying. Yeah. To oh. see, and then the doctor is holding him like a like a chicken or yeah, like a like a turkey man. That's wrong. Upside down mm. by his ankles, mm. like the cord's still attached, and there's no noise coming out. The total was probably three seconds, which feels like an eternity. Yes. And you're like, oh no, no, this isn't. And then they put the snot sucker or whatever you call it thing. The the yeah. What do you call no. it? the mucus mm -hmm. remover? Yeah, the bulb syringe. Yeah, the bulb syringe. That's it. <laughs> they they remove everything. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, and then you bite the cord, and then. Uh... Well, so a baby, <laughs> the moment a baby comes out, out I, didn't, I didn't get any reaction. me the snot Well, the hanging, hanging by the ankles. That's like. It's not. There's no medical reason to do this. Yeah, there's no reason to do that. Oh, the baby should come out and movies, straight <laughs> onto the mom's chest, the birthing person's chest. Yeah. Right away. 
And, uh, you know, our body gets different blood flow at different times. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, if we're digesting, our stomach gets some, our brain always gets some. Very excited. Our kidneys. Yeah. But <laughs> when somebody gives birth, 20%, up to 20% of the blood flow goes to the chest area so yeah. that they can Produce warm milk. up the baby. Wow. So, we don't need warmers if we put the baby on the chest. chest. On the chest. Yeah. Ah, it see, warms up to warm up the baby. How yeah. I remember it, they took it out. The baby's upside down. Take the mucus or whatever out, starts crying, flip them. I cut the cord. Right away. And then, oh, uh, yeah, I cut the cord. Oh, I cut the cords. Yeah. But then don't they measure them and stuff and then bring them back for no. the... No, they went right on to, right on to Julia. Right on to so the you don't need to cut the cord right away. We know now, we, yeah, we know now, it took like 20 years because it takes 20 years of observation for something to become practice. Mm. We know that we need to let the cord transfer all the blood because up to a third of the baby's blood stays in the placenta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have to wait for the for the placenta to do its okay. job pumping the blood into the baby. I don't know and about then the you can cut. Time schedule there. I could it's, uh, it's like two or three minutes. <laughs> oh okay okay. Yeah. So no, you no. have to wait just for a very short time. Yeah, my personal one it felt like eight seconds like baby it, came it out. It probably was. Yeah. It probably was. Because in the past they would observe this blood into <laughs> the cord and they like thought <laughs> that the mother was sucking the blood back into herself and uh, not giving it to the baby. Now we know that it's the other way around. The, way around. Uh-huh. the placenta is a filter. It constantly okay, filters. Okay. So when the baby is born the placenta mm. is still filtering. Wild. You need to give the rest of the blood back to also baby has to be as small as possible to come out yeah so up to a third of the blood baby's blood supply stays in the placenta you wait a few minutes yeah and they could then you been, cut yeah. oh yeah. that's how they pink up that's yes, how they exactly, pink up exactly even a baby who needs medical help even a baby who doesn't breathe why would you cut their oxygen supply that's mm. their oxygen supply yeah. so they can have both yeah. they can aspirate if, if most babies don't need aspiration the bulb syringe most yeah. babies don't need it but they do it it's again it's one of those things yeah. um and yeah, you just let the baby, even a baby who needs oxygen, they can have oxygen on the chest. birthing person's chest. Yeah. Why not? So wow. what happens if someone gives a home birth and mm-hmm. they need all these support right after this? Unless like, how you is it need, managed at home birth? Well, a midwife would be able to do this. Now, the so midwife, have the syringe. an ambu bag, they would have an ambu bag, they would have medication. Uh, anything that requires an OR, no, of course you would have to transfer to a hospital. But then we go back to when we talked about C-sections. Like most C-sections are not life or death situations like in the movies. Right, we yeah. call those crash C-sections. Mm. The vast majorities are emergency, meaning unplanned. So meaning over the course of labor, the way it usually happens is the birthing person is giving birth, having trouble, things are not moving along, they're tired. Or for whatever reason, doctor comes in and says, I don't think this is going anywhere. Birthing person is like, okay, I do. Yeah, okay, C-section. It takes about 40 minutes from that moment to OR and baby out. Mm. But, but 40 he, minutes. But here, a lot of them are scheduled C-sections. Yes, yeah, so that's different. Because that I, remember, plan, that's, I remember... That's what you plan for. <coughs> I remember going into the, to the office... And looking at the guy's calendar, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that, and it's yeah. full of C-sections. And he goes, "Well, if you have your baby on Monday or Tuesday, I'm pretty busy with C-sections, so I'm probably not going to be there." And I was like, yeah. "Dude, your whole calendar is filled for like two months of C-section. How the heck?" But, but that's the lucky back to the lucky day thing. It could your be mother that. went it to the guy be. and found the lucky day at the shaman's office, and uh, it could be somebody whose husband only has a certain amount of time yeah. of break, or somebody whose parents are visiting from abroad. But and that they was have pretty shocking. And- shocking for me to see that calendar with those all lined up, and I was like, "Are we weird? Like, just gonna wait for it to happen, or what?" 
people have autonomy over their bodies yeah. and they're in a country that is very like green surgeons are very skilled at performing c-sections because mm. they've done it yes. so much but italy is no better mm. i think the first country in the world i think is brazil with the c-section rate i think italy is second mm. hmm. it's bad yeah. well i don't want to say bad but it, the rates you are high, high everywhere high high, oh. high rates mm. yeah hmm. so yeah wow. so for many c-sections you would need time because they have to prep the OR, they have to call the anesthesiologist, they have to prep you. It takes time. So everybody's thinking about this super hectic situation. Mm. No, that's a crash C-section. They can have the baby out in five minutes. Mm. They put you under, like they give you general. They don't wait for mm. an epidural to, to because yeah, it takes yeah. time. Sure. And okay, that's a medical emergency. But for the majority of C-sections, like you have time. So if you're home, basically the midwife realizes something is not okay, or you say, you know what, I'm done, I want to go. They call an ambulance. It's the same amount of time. Yeah. When you wow. go, so you should never be too far from a hospital when mm. you have a home birth. Wow. And there's people who choose not to give birth with midwives. It's called free birth or unassisted birth. It's definitely not for everybody. But what, just hanging out just at home by, by yourself. Yes. Woo. Or with a, sometimes with a non-medical professional with a doula. So that would be one of my boundaries. Mm. I would not accept a client in Korea who had a free birth, and for a very simple reason. Because if they decided to have a hospital transfer, I don't think I would be able to explain in Korean right. how things had been going yeah. up until that point. Whoa, so I that's see. why I would not be that's the brave, I would not want to yeah. be the most knowledgeable person and the person with the best Korean in the room if somebody given a transfer. But my, that's the only reason. My little sister's had five kids, and I think she's tried the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, her last one was a drive-through. I think. <laughs> I mean, she went Almost. in. She went in, couple hours, home at dinner making ribs, and I was like, "Oh, he's Korean." She should, not, she should not have been making ribs. What are all these she Korean resting? Korean women saying, "Yeah, but life goes on." You have four kids at home, a husband working. I mean, life goes on, right? Our our well, our nonas didn't didn't think that. Right? I know. Probably different. I know. So. But then our nonnas were surrounded by other women who had given birth right. and the community and the village that is so important. Helping. Why do people hire doulas? Because they so give birth important. in isolation. In the past, you would be surrounded by other people. Right. Yeah. You'd not need a doula. Why would you have to pay somebody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you could you explain the differences between duties and responsibility of a doula and a midwife? So, Means a midwife is a medical professional. They can receive the baby. They can administer medication. They can apply stitches, suture mm -hmm. if needed. A doula is a non-medical support person. Mm. So I can provide information on medical options. A, a midwife would say, you need a C-section. I would never say to a client, you need a C-section. Mm -hmm. If she asked me, do you think I need a C-section? I would say, there are, the situation is like this. One, two, three, four. Mm. This is what your doctor is suggesting. How do you feel about that? Mm. And let them explore their own options. Yeah. I don't mm. make decisions for my clients. I don't provide advice of any kind because it's not my body. It's not my baby. It's not my birth. And I would be there for like emotional mm. support and also suggest means of non-medical pain control. Mm. So like massages, positioning. Mm. I mean, I think for first time... Uh, well, births. Parent. Mm. Parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can only prepare so much. You can read so many books and so many whatever, but you, when it comes down to it, you've never been through it, so you don't know. Yes. And that's you where your help would yes. relax the situation, ease the situation, and bring people peace during and you that can, time. You but. can prepare to the point that, again, you will never know how things are going to go, but your doctor doesn't know either. 
Right. Nobody knows in that room. Yeah. But you can walk in with the confidence that you have explored your possibilities mm. and you have negotiated your priorities. I have a client who actually had to fight tooth and nail to have her husband not so much in the room during birth. Well, she had to fight to be able to go into labor naturally because she had a big baby and she was past the due date and all of those things that people say are not okay, but they are. Um, and not people, doctors. And uh, also to have her husband in the room afterwards because this was January 2021. Mm. So, you know, coronavirus and the hospital said, you cannot have your husband in the room. You're going to have a Korean come young in, like an assistant. Mm. Who's going to help you out? And she's like, but I don't speak Korean much, especially after giving birth. You don't want to have to be making yeah, no effort. And she had to fight really tooth and nail to the point that she describes her prenatal experience, like the preparation, more traumatic and more stressful than the birth. birth. She, had a, she had a wonderful birth. Mm, yeah. uh, she was amazing. But it was so stressful to be able to just do that yeah. to the point that she was basically almost traumatized by the whole thing. Yeah. And th that's why she has chosen not to have babies in Korea anymore. Yeah. And I kind of blame her. It was so hard, but she did it. Yeah. It was just that afterwards when it was done, she's like, why did I have to fight this much? Yeah. And yes, and why do you have to fight this much? You shouldn't. That, 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 that was my whole thing. It was, it, was it worth jeopardizing, you know, me and my wife and, and fighting each other to fight the doctors to fight Jang Wonim. You should not be and you fighting have, anyone. You have the whole Korean system against you. Yeah, I, I, are, I fully, I fully agree. There are options. I, I always say I'm, I'm using lots of sentences that I use in my classes, but I have taught so many classes that I have memorized them. Mm. You have options. They may not be financially attractive. <laughs> they may require a fair bit of planning and budgeting. Time, effort. but you have the options. You're yeah. in Korea. You are not giving birth in the middle of the Amazon forest. Mm. You are in Korea. You have lots of different facilities that you can give birth at. You do have home births, a possibility of having a home birth. My midwife came from Daegu to Ulsan. Mm. So oh, that, yeah. it took her we two were, hours. We were we were wondering too, how did you find the, the there are, one for your I wrote it down. How there are many. Um, I had actually attended birth. At, well, I attended a birth with this midwife. It was May, end of May mm. in Ulsan. So one of my clients who was pregnant basically the same time as I was, uh, gave birth at home in Ulsan. Mm. And so I attended a birth with this midwife and I had seen her at work. And that was your second child? That was my second, yes. My first was born in a hospital in Mokpo. So I had a really... But you had a doula in Mokpo, no? I had a doula who came all the way down from Suwon. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that was... A... And it was lucky that I had a super long labor, a super long pre-labor, actually. So it took me like... It took me like a couple of days. I had the first contraction on a Friday evening and I gave birth on a Sunday night. So she came down on, on the Saturday morning and we hung out. She stayed at a hotel and she came to a house. We watched a movie. And then in the afternoon, things got intense and we mm. went to the hospital. And then it was actually really fast. Nice. And my, my doctor showed up for me, but I had discussed this with him that he would show up for me. Mm. I cannot expect a doctor to show. And I know now that was really an exception. Right. Mm. And now he became the natural doctor in Mopo. Like he's the famous natural uh, doctor. Uh, nice. But at that time, nobody in that hospital had ever seen an unmedicated birth. Right. And that ho doc hospital had been operating for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> and actually the doctor always got my name wrong. He didn't call me Adele. He called me Dula. By mistake, I do. And then after I had the this, Indian woman. And then after I had this birth, I'm like, and then my friend said to me, "Oh, if I give birth, I want you by my side." I'm like, you know what? I could do this because I was working in football at the time. Hmm. I was working for a sports company. Hmm. 
And it was not my mission in life. I adored my bosses, amazing people, but it was not my thing. Mm. Like they had to explain to me the rules of the game like 65 times and I could not get it. Was not, all, despite being Italian, we, we, you know, we live and breathe football, but yeah. it's just not my thing. Oh, and I'm funny. like, you know what? I could do this. And then I trained and I became an educator because everything was up in Seoul. You want a natural birthing center, go to Seoul. You want like, a water birth. Says, away from the Seoul. capital. Yes. So that maybe but there, now the, there's nothing down here. No, there are fewer options, but we do have <coughs> options. And now they want to build this like mega city, right? This Ulsan, Busan, Pyongnam. They want to build this opposite pole compared to Seoul. It's so unfair that huh. only people in Seoul have the best medical care. There was a test I wanted to do for my pregnancy um, because if basically there's a bacteria that lives in the uh, intestinal tract of most people, but if it's in the birth canal, it can be risky to the baby. There's a small percentage of cases where it's actually quite dangerous. Mm. So what do Korean providers do? They give everybody antibiotics in labor, just in case. I didn't want antibiotics just in case, yeah. IV antibiotics. Uh, and so, but they're like, oh, but we don't have that test. We cannot test you. So, mm. you know, just in case, we're going to give you antibiotics. I had to go to Seoul to have that test. Uh, and I'm like, it's so unfair. We yeah, should yeah. have somebody... Down here. I'm yeah. like, can't you have it shipped? And they're like, no, we just don't do it because nobody asks. Yeah, nobody knows. They just give you IV antibiotics. Yeah, right. And you just take them. So I had to fight tooth and nail for my birth. I did have a very positive birth experience with my doula for my first child, but then I'm like, not again in the hospital because my daughter was taken away from me. She was taken to a baby room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be in a in, to nursery. I could not be in a single room, so I could not have her in the room with me. Yeah. Um, and for two days, being separated was heartbreaking. Yeah. I needed her. Like I could not sleep. They're like, oh, you two should days rest. They keep you away from your baby. Like first. Two Usually days. the whole the whole time till you go home. Really? Yes. yes. So it's oh, men. Mine were totally they, different. Yeah. They call you to breastfeed, so they will call you to the. They will call you to the nursery to go and breastfeed and you have to go. And even people who had C-sections, like I've had clients who had C-sections walk very slowly with their IV pole to the breastfeeding room. And then and then I just wanted to stay there and hold my baby and they would snatch her off my arms. It was really, it was horrible. I had to wear, I'm not joking, kimchi gloves, like plastic gloves and an apron to breastfeed my baby. I'm like, what for? They're like, oh, to avoid infection. Well, I'm offering her my breast. She just came out of my lady parts. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know? <laughs> illogical. Completely illogical. Yeah. So I'm like, never again in a hospital. Both, <laughs> I decided both. there and then. But there are better hospitals than that one, for both, sure. Both of mine were home and came that two night. Nights, two yeah, nights. Two nights and then three home. Days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can have a positive. I, I was so focused on the birth that I failed to discuss anything that happened after. Mm. Again, I didn't know my options. Yeah. I didn't have any. I fought really hard, but in that moment, I was exhausted. I was sure. bleeding. I was lactating. Yeah. I was yeah, not at my most right. um, fuel. effective in yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. How how would you support women in uh, in the in the postpartum? Uh, the, the reason I asked, or the reason it's uh, it's kind of uh, or that I brought it up. Like I said, all week I've been talking to students about mm -hmm. their birthing experience and whatnot. And only yesterday, the one lady said, being pregnant, no problem. Mm -hmm. Giving birth, no problem. Postpartum, it's so hard. horrifying. She said yes. five years of torture, of mental. Oh, wow. She had two kids within five years. But she said it was five years of mental. A Korean woman? A Korean woman, yeah. Mm. Absolutely 
most difficult uh, most difficult time of her life and she's yeah so what uh how do you support women in uh so i am not a certified hmm. postpartum doula so i do yeah. provide postpartum services yeah. um but i do i do want to be trained as a postpartum doula yeah it's been on hold for a while. The way that I would support a parent in the postpartum, the way mm. that I do support a parent in the postpartum is through information. Mm. So if they have questions about anything specific, mm. I do try to, again, I do try to prepare them in advance. Mm. We talk about breastfeeding. We talk about how hard breastfeeding is yeah. because there's this illusion that it's going to be natural. It's going to come natural. No, mm. no. It's an acquired skill. Yeah. Definitely for the, the mother for the birthing person but also for the baby the baby needs a little bit of time mm. some of them the are partner. better than, the partner has to be supportive actually partner support for duties regularly the partner support is one of the indicators of success in breastfeeding if there's a supportive partner the rates are much higher again we are giving birth in isolation in the mm. history of mankind very recent mm. extremely right. recent so we're not supposed to be doing this alone and there's this illusion that we have to get back in shape bounce back right that's what they, bounce back and start resuming work again in in the states like three weeks you got three weeks maternal leave in korea many people quit their job because it's just impossible yeah. to work and take care of family or they're forced out of it mm. um you need support in the postpartum what kind of support well you can take care of your baby a hundred percent but who's going to take care of you and who's going to take care of everything else mm. the ideal ratio is three adults to a baby so ideal let's say parents and an extra person a it can be a grandmother it can be mother-in-law <laughs> can be, but then with the mother-in-law sometimes there's like <laughs> right there's conflict sometimes. and especially if it's yeah. from different cultures no some people love their mothers-in-law i love my mother-in-law Right. Just but not, not right after a baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you have all this, like, you have to, but we also have different traditions that are sure. weird in the West, sure, right? Of course. It's not. Of and so. actually, lots of people call me to discuss postpartum traditions in Korea because, you know, it takes a year for the body to replenish all the nutrients that go away with pregnancy and mm. breastfeeding. It takes a year. Mm. And also, just for the uterus to shrink back. Like you come out of the birthing room, yeah. you come out of the hospital, you still look six months pregnant. Yeah. Mm. Your your bones are still shifting back into place. You're yeah. still losing your joints because of all the relaxing. It's a hormone that makes you more supple. And not to mention the mental aspect. There's actually a psychiatrist. Her name is Alexandra Sachs. She has a really good TED talk. Alexandra Sachs? Sachs. Oh. S-A-C-K-S. Nope, I heard that wrong. <laughs> she has a... Um, Basically, she researched the postpartum, the early mm. postpartum. And well, she's quoting the work of a socio sociologist, I think, uh, Dana Raphael. And they talk about the period after a baby's born. They call it matrescence, similar to adolescence. It's a time where your body's changing, your hormones are crazy, mm. oh. and you may experience mood swings. You need lots of support. So an adolescent needs supportive parents yeah. who are going to, like, well, in the case of adolescents, like keep them safe and just yeah. provide the emotional support. A person who just gave birth needs the same. Do you do you think 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, and obviously it's different, but do you think the women, the, the pressure, like you said, they face to get mm. back into shape, to get, like, that was what kind of surprised me the most. I was like, okay, just, just relax, just take it easy and... Who yeah. gives? Don't care what everyone else thinks, but it's hard to it's block hard. all that out. Yes. So, like women giving birth, like Nona, 
I mean, she popped out 10 kids, and I don't know. Was she worried about what the next TV commercial was? There wasn't TV. No, but she would be surrounded by other women who gave birth and yeah, but, told her. And she would have observed other women giving birth. But that's what I mean. So if it's understood that you go through this, it's not glamorous. But now you okay. go on Instagram, and, okay. and you have the mother who has five kids with a six-pack saying, you can do it too. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I mean. Like It's damaging. How, how mentally more demanding and challenging is it now it is. for women just due to... The evolution of that media, social media. Yes, it's horrible. Part because I think of Nona, where yeah, it was kind of a community, and mm. and I'm sure she wasn't coming out of looking at the clitoris reconstruction surgery or something. It's called love fill. The minute she huh? got out of the, oh, the minute so, she gave birth, it not the oh, not the vaginal walls, the the, va- the vaginal, the vaginal no, walls. the vaginal. There's walls. all there's like three or four of them, and you I was get a clitoris reconstruction too. Put what? some scaffolding in there. <laughs> oh no! It was to. It was to. <laughs> he does not need it. Is that is the one you're talking about to make it tighter? So it seems like it would, dude. It was Anyways, just huge thing called love fill. It was it's like crazy. what is? It? And you're like, oh, I see what that is, <laughs> dude. There's, but there's there's all kinds of these, right? There's not just one love fill. There's a whole bunch of different. You can have different procedures. In some cases, it's necessary because of like organ prolapse. And lots of people yeah, experience yeah. organ prolapse because but nobody's arguing. They with don't. That. We yeah. don't have like pelvic floor therapy in mm. Korea. Pelvic floor what physical therapy. Lots of people who have birth injuries right. cannot do anything about it. They just go on and suffer. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed. They tell you, oh, after you give birth, it's normal if you, you know, when you sneeze, you you pee yourself a little bit. That's normal. It's not. <laughs> it may be common, but it's not normal. That mm. means that your vaginal wall, that your walls, your muscles are weaker. So you have to do something yeah, about yeah. it. But there's one place that provides physio for the pelvic floor. Guess what it is? So there you go, yeah. and it costs two hundred thousand won. The, uh, the co- I mean, the cosmetic and the aesthetic stuff. Who's gonna look up in there? No, yeah. but it's but no, but <laughs> no, I know. Well, if but you want, isn't it the same thing? Of your husband won't want to have sex after you have a kid because it's not the same feeling, and it's and this is a Says, lot of it. A lot of it is who? for mm. no, but this is this is the thing. Like again, uneducated and not knowing, not knowing everything. Not I don't know what a kegel is. This is right because they don't I'm educate you. They don't. So edu- when you're yeah. not educated, and Unni says. Oh, do this because then your husband right. will have to keep having sex with you. Oh, okay. So, Onni so, told me. Onni is the expert. So that's something I always say to my clients. I'm Did like, your, mom do your that? doctor will not volunteer information on when might be a, a right time to resume intercourse. Hmm. You have to have this conversation with your doctor if you want to resume. You have to discuss this with your partner because expectations may be different because there's no timeline. <laughs> I thought it was standard. They just said one year, no sex. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. Some people wait weeks. Some people wait months. Yeah. You may be physically ready before you're mentally ready. Yeah. You may yeah. have to take it easy. You may have to. You will have to use lubricant because breastfeeding suppresses ovulation. All this information, your Korean doctor will not tell you. And maybe if you ask them, if they haven't been asked before. They will do the nervous laugh, what? the right. embarrassed laugh, <laughs> That's what it is. and they will not be able to provide you with information. Yeah. So another, which is I'm why doing a mini, spo- which is why you're not supposed to ask questions. Yobo, you're embarrassing the doctor. So what like, you can do, what I tell job. my clients, he studied ten years to tell me the answers to these if questions. If you, if you really like this doctor, and but their English skills may not be on par, they may not be willing to discuss sex. Tell them, doctor, send me an email. This mm. is my question. Send me an email. Usually, the written English, you would know this better right. than I do. Sure. Written English is much better, better than spoken, spoken English. English. Yeah. They may be embarrassed. So, or next time I come, you can let me know. I don't need to know right now when I can yeah. resume sex if I'm still pregnant, right? And also, can I have sex when pregnant? The answer is usually yes. If you're having a physiological pregnancy. Third trimester is a little... Uh, no, it's a fine. It's good. Up until you go into labor. Up until your waters break. Yeah. In, I, thought, I thought women say it's usually... Generally better because the hormones are it more is active better. and for many people, so, not for everybody, can be really. No, but I mean, in well, general, there's more. There's, there's more no danger bl- getting closer to the no. 
Really? The baby's really safe. Missed opportunity. <laughs> but don't they, don't they say if you're overdue, go and have sex and yes. get shit moving? Because prostaglandins are the <laughs> hormone that soften the cervix. If you look yeah. at the word prostaglandins, yeah. prostate, they're contained in semen. Yeah. So you have to apply semen to the cervix. What's the yeah. most fun way to apply Spray semen to the cervix? Spray it on there. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to keep that in the podcast, yeah. but yeah. yes. <laughs> but it has to be good for her. If it's not good for her, right. then no. I, and uh, you may have to take it easy. You may have to like... Sure. Yeah. But your Korean doctor will not tell you this unless they've had enough people asking this and they have become comfortable giving you this kind of information. That's why I feel like I was kind of like a a counselor or something for like my wife's friends and stuff because they're like, why does he know this? Why this isn't like his? Why does this guy know? This random guy knows all this shit. This is, but the doctors don't tell you. Your husband's don't know. Who the heck does know? Hey, you got to be a doula, man. But most people are more much more educated about these things. Yes, but then you have to be willing to because many men are like, you know what? Not my stuff. I want to be out of the birthing room. And men have been kept out of the birthing room for so long. And that's wrong. That's, yeah. you know, I, I do believe there's still proponents of like women only in the birthing room. I believe that I'm with the philosophy that the energy that brought the baby in is going to help take the baby out. Mm. Oxytocin, oh, the love amazing. hormone mm-hmm. is the one that generates contractions. I always tell my clients, I can give you endorphins. I can help with the endorphins, not give you, but I can help with the release <laughs> yeah. of endorphins. I, you know, your husband is going to be better. Modern at oxytocin. oxytocin. Modern oxytocin are arguments for no males in the birthing because it's I think a, woman a lot thing. of traditional procedures. And yes, and it's like, oh, if they see it, they're never going to want to touch you anymore. So it's just a stigma. Yeah, it's there is like, no like support the argument so there's people again there's people who don't want to be in there I've had clients who didn't want to be in there well some people can't see blood or whatever so this person is like call me when the baby's out wonderful we discussed in advance and that's why his wife hired the doula so that's great but Nobody should be forced to be there if they don't want to be there. Um, Again, seeing the person you love in that amount of like very strong Uh, sensations can be really hard on you, especially if you don't know what to do. And often partners, the problem is they don't know what to do. That's why childbirth education must include the father. Korean classes is like seven classes and only one class with the father and they do a little bit of massage. No, the father, the partner needs to know exactly what's going to happen. I had to put the vest on. Yes, that's nice though. That's nice, though. I, I like that. I, I don't didn't have need those. the vest. I had the natural <laughs> pork. Natural yeah. Yeah. I, well, but it's, it's, added, it's, it's added not, weight. It's nice, but when you're the only foreigner in the group and everybody's staring at you the whole damn time <laughs> and you're twice as big as everybody, yeah. it's not so fun. But I, I wanted to do it because I, I thought it was good and good for both of us to go. But, oh, my God, like fishing a more goldfish in a bowl. Or like, Holy they shit, don't. Man. Yeah, the classes that Korean hospitals teach are usually just for Women. The pregnant person, yes. Right. And no, I, I always say my classes are for <laughs> partners because all the pregnant person has to do, they have to give birth. Mm. They have to labor and give birth. The pre- the partner has to think about the lighting, the temperature, giving massage, giving them water, giving them food as needed, managing like medical requests, talking to the doctors, mm. controlling the environment. That's mm. all on the partner. The birthing person is not going to be able to do any of that. We were in there playing. So my class is for the partners. We were in there playing Go Stop. And the nurse would come in and say, how are you feeling? And they'd be like, you guys are crazy. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> but it was like, I was just trying to take your mind off it, relax. Yes, and yes, just yes. Do, some, be act, do something, not just sitting there on your phone or whatever. We were playing Go Stop, having fun. and I watch funny videos with my clients for an induction, for example, to yeah. get the endorphins in. Or something that you can do is arm wrestle. 
Because when you, if you're focusing <laughs> on the arm, oh my well, God. Not, my not dad should have been made. a doula. Yeah. Gonna, that be hit me yeah. slap. <laughs> you know, if you focus on the arm, you 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 don't tighten the other muscles. It's time to go over the top. Yeah. So, but the partner thinking. needs support. The partner is the most forgotten person in the birthing room, mm. and especially working in Korea again. Like, if the partner is not Korean either, so like mm. everybody's speaking a different language, and you don't know the the medical system. Mm. And I do educate them in advance, but then in the moment also, yeah. like I remind the partner, if you want to pee, this is the time. You may want to go now yeah. because in a minute, those are important not things. Want to miss yeah. out yeah. and. Yeah. You don't want to do it with a full bladder or, you know, you may want to go and take a <laughs> yeah. break. And they're like, no, but I don't want to go. I'll be here. You go mm. and have a coffee or mm. have a little rest. It's like a modern day oxytocin a stimulator instead of the husband. Yeah. You just give her like a young poom purse that she can just snuggle with. No, what get, they, the, get the love. What they give you is <laughs> the synthetic. They give you an IV. They give you an IV it's of like oxytocin. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And it's really bad. So if the if labor is not going well, if the contractions are not strong enough, mm. they would give you synthetic oxytocin, pitocin, yeah. in an IV, and yeah. that can give you super strong contractions that yeah. I may send the baby in distress, yeah. or they may send that's, the pregnant person. That's inducing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that inducing? It's called induction. Induction. If it's yeah. Before labor begins okay. if it's in over the course of labor it's called augmentation it's augmentation. the same okay, thing yeah, same yes idea. it's the same thing gotcha. so they give you drugs to speed things up and i say you know just what's the alternative to that mm. close the door let mom and dad kiss or let the two the birthing person and their partner <laughs> kiss a little bit of mm. nipple stimulation is very effective yeah. if it's a home birth let them go the the whole way i mean if yeah. the waters haven't broken if the sack is intact yeah, yeah. otherwise no yeah. I think Just that's a hard sell for my wife. <laughs> I've been I've been to one birth where the midwife and I just said to the parents, "Do you think we're going to be yep. out having dinner?" Oh, that's hilarious. and they did, and the right. baby was born. How, it's not automatic, obviously, but it yeah. does help. It does How, help. What is the ratio of your clients of foreign foreign parents? For one is Korean, and I mean, have you ever had Korean couples? No, not fully Korean no. uh, couples. I've had no, one and one. One on one, yes. Usually, a Korean dad, right? Foreign right. mom. Okay. I've had a few Korean moms, very few, mm. um, and m- mostly I would say foreign, foreign. Yeah. When you when you deal with the Korean ones, is there any unique, interesting, crazy uh, traditions or, or things that they bring to the table in, in terms of pregnancy, giving birth, postpartum, any of that stuff? Well, my mom and my grandma, we should say we should do this. Well, listen, it's me and the doula against you. <laughs> well, it was my husband, actually. Yeah. <laughs> when I had my daughter, my first daughter was born in January. When we went back home, like, they cranked the heating up to the point that you could not put your feet <laughs> on the floor. Fry, fry an egg on the floor. That's the Jordy one. It was down, 80 man. degrees. The water oh. was 80 degrees. Oh, gross, in the And I was like, this is too hot. And, you know, low blood pressure. My mom was there. My mom was like, I cannot walk. Mm. And then, thank God... My neighbor, my Korean neighbor from the third floor came my down to said, this house is too hot. Are you crazy? And because a Korean person said it, my husband was like, okay, You melted my right. vinyl floor upstairs. I, it was horrible. <laughs> my ceiling's dripping. Can you? Uh... So... <laughs> no, she was upstairs. But she came in and she's like, are you crazy? This is too hot. So, yeah. I, so I had a couple. What One was, who's Gina's born in February? So it was Gina. And, you know, the, the tradition is... You know, no visitors or guests yes. for what two months or a month or hundred days. Hundred days. Hundred days. Mm-hmm. Um, After the so one, I want one. I also yeah. want to know your opinion on these, but no, no visitor. I mean, family's okay, right? That would their thing close would be family. Yeah. Close family. But I mean, in Canada, it's 
people come to your house, congratulations, yeah. oh, I know. Way to go. And I don't know if that's good because the woman's trying to recover or whatever. It might be, you know, might be exhausted still. So nothing for 100 days. Mm. And, I mean, we crushed that with my mom and sister being in, like, at the hospital and in the room before the full-on labor started. I mean, we were in there all joking, watching videos together and stuff. Um, and then we got that VIP room. And they said, well, if Nate's mom and sister are there, then we can all go. And then they're like, well, shit, this is 36 Pyong and has sofas and the Olympics were on. The Olympics were on. Your so postpartum room was 36 Pyong? It was huge. Like, yeah, that this place? It was That's, yeah. bigger than here. That would be. It had full kitchenette, full everything. It was a, it's a oh, VIP it's room there. Okay. But where is it? Okay. It was a it was a An huge, apartment. huge yeah. bigger than my way bigger than my apartment. And we had a full kitchen, a full living room or wow. dining room. Like it was a full party room. Yeah. So we're dad's sitting in front of the TV, drinking soju and beer, <laughs> watching the Olympics, and like, you know, the short tracks on and they're yelling at you like, Well, listen, my, my mom and sister are like sense or respectful of yes. my wife. But these guys go, Oh, well if they're there we can come. And I'm like, Well, if Hedan says it's okay, then then come whatever, but my family's being quiet and respectful. And then they come and they're bringing chicken and beers and everything. I was like, okay. I mean, now like this is your culture. It was it was illegal a week ago, and now it's like the norm and everyone's there and now it's okay. And now Nuna has a kid after, and now it's okay for Nuna's family to okay guys come and yeah yeah it's okay. And that norm just went out the window. And we were at the park, so we went home after two days. We were at the park. Uh, walking around with Gina and it snowed. I remember it snowed out and there was like half a foot of snow. We were pushing around the stroller and John William said, hey, we're coming over. And I was like, no, it's not a good time to come over. And she's like, why? And I was like, we're not home. Where are you? Why did you leave the house? What do you mean? Where did you go? Well, we're outside, head on some fresh air and it's 50 meters from my house and we're walking around and she scolded me for like 10 minutes and she goes, okay, see you soon. And they come to the park and we're walking around, a big happy family walking around the park in the snow. And I was like, well, that went out the window pretty quick. <laughs> so my mother, when my brother and I were born, so I'm 42, my brother is 44. She did not wash her hair for 40 days after birth. Wow. I'm like, do you have dreadlocks by the time? <laughs> but it was a thing because in the past, where was your bathroom? It was outside, right? Yeah. So you would go and wash your hair maybe in the bathroom and right. then walk back home with a wet head. And and in Korea, they have this idea that if the mother is cold, the cold air is going to get into her joints because they do know that mm. we are more loose yes. after birth yes. because the body is still falling back into place. And they want to avoid somebody being... They say, you know, even my midwife said to me, like I had a cold juice after giving birth. Mm. Uh, it was... I gave birth around midnight, my second, on June 17th. And I had a cold glass of juice like no you have to drink yeah. warm water otherwise the cold will go in and when you're old you're gonna have like rheumatisms yeah, yeah. so i'm like i think i think you know i think i'm gonna be okay i don't really know is there truth she may that? be right it's true that the body needs warmth to recover yeah. but too much too warm is actually not okay your blood pressure goes down baby should not be too warm because that leads because to many women, many korean women here still complain and they'll say it's from pregnancy that their their wrists hurt, this hurts, that hurts, these hurt. Ever since if you don't pregnancy. recover well, yeah. yes, because the body is more loose. Uh, I had a shower after giving birth. My midwife was horrified that I would have a shower. <laughs> I I was horrified at the state I was in, but she was like, and it is true. I have. So seen, is it not common? No, in Korea, no, oh. no. But I have seen clients faint. I assume I it have, must be like quite messy procedure, right? Yeah, you do get uh, yeah you, yeah, you do get messy. They, they clean yeah. you they up, clean but up, yeah. you sweat. 
also. Mm. It's yeah, a big yeah. physical effort. Yeah. But I have clients who fainted in the shower. So like oh, we would cool. go, like yeah. uh, uh, husband and I would go that. with them in the shower and, and they, they find a second ago and then boom, just go down because your blood pressure yeah. and everything. So it, there is a scientific foundation sure. to this. Mm. I don't think that the way that it's done in Italy, for example, that you go back home after a few hours and you have to entertain People come and visit, they right. stay at your house, they yeah. do not leave, they expect to be fed. <laughs> and you have, you are, this isn't carbonara. You are lactating. You have crazy hormones. You're mm. tired. Mm. You're more tired than you've been your entire life. And you have a baby to take care of. This, you should not be entertaining. My so, sister, iPhone, what's it called on the iPhone? FaceTalk? Skype, FaceTalk. Face, face talk, and face I'm like, FaceTime, FaceTime, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, mom and dad are there, the kids are all cheering and partying. There's a freaking four-hour-old kid, and you're barbecuing ribs. They're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, if the birthing person wants thought, this, maybe after the fifth time, you just it, well, my you know, client, she's, had, she's tough as nails, and she just says, mm, it was shit. I got my client who had her fifth baby. Two days later, I did my postpartum visit at the beach in Goje. Oh, poor her. Like, <laughs> she had, and you know, with new baby, and she's oh, she cracks me up. I love her. She's like, there's nothing like being at the beach in a diaper. <laughs> like, yeah. You're bleeding. Like you bleed a lot in the first few days, and. Um, Yes, you have all the, you should not be entertaining. Now, if you desire company, by all means, okay. but you should be able to but pick and see, choose. There must be a mental part of it that, you know, if you're sitting there, not, I don't mean feeling sorry for yourself or whatever, but you must, you, that chance for that depression to creep in or that, oh, poor me, or I'm sore, I'm, but if you're busy, Every, everyone's my sister says, I'm busy, I just keep going and, Life's. I'm. I'm. I'm I got it. I'm back into it. That good. I know. Personal. For sure. It's yeah. a very personal thing. So sure. again, I was very happy and very thankful to have my mother and my husband there. I did not really want anyone else. Right. But then on day five, for example, a friend of mine asked to come and see me, and I was very happy to have her. So you always have to ask: right. yeah. Is it okay to come? Yeah. Visit? Either way, they don't. They just show up. Mm. So That's is like it okay Canada. to come visit? <laughs> if somebody up. comes, you should go to the person's house, do something. Hang a load of laundry, right. or sure. wash some dishes, oh, or clean yeah. the floor. Throw away the throw away the recycling. Yep. If people are ordering takeaway, they're gonna have a mountain of plastic. Yeah. Do something helpful and leave. Stay yeah. twenty minutes and leave, unless the parents <laughs> ask you something, oh, yeah. like ask you to stay and keep company. And uh, when I go to a postpartum appointment, like I always ask, like when is a good time and. Uh, and I try not to overstay my welcome. In Italy, like I'm horrified when I hear my friends say, oh, I had the whole family there and I had to cook for them and then I had to clean up. It's wrong. You should not yeah. be doing that. Meatballs taste like be... shit. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's you wrong. Forgot to put anything in them. 3 a.m. debates on the on the merits of a... No, and, and because again, it's culture. Of a pineapple it's tiella. accepted that everybody's done it. You've done it. You've gone to your friends' houses right. when they had babies. And so it's normal. It is not. It should not be that way. People need time to recover. When you're ready for social life, mm. you can call people, you can invite them over, and everybody should always be invited. You can't just show up. What you, so the mm. Korean approach is actually right, not the chicken and the Olympics yeah. part. Just. The, 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 the. <laughs> What's your hot take on uh, on Jody One? Oh, overall, so, good overall. It's bad. a new thing, right? Yeah. It was created in like the 70s, mm. and it's it's become very quickly commercialized to the point that oh, they course. actually promote separation between a baby and mm. their parents like the father cannot even see the baby like if you're a man you're yeah. out you can barely see the baby you Two can see them through a glass 
Yeah, maybe oh, that was it. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't my my experience. So the idea <laughs> is that yes, yeah, someone who just gave birth <laughs> needs time to recover. Yeah, yeah. Also, they have convinced Korean women that they are weak and delicate. Yeah. They're mm. strong. Korean women are really strong. Yeah. The biggest, the second biggest baby, no, the third biggest baby I saw was born to a Korean woman, and it was a four kilogram baby girl born on the floor of a midwife's house in Busan. Mm. On the floor, lying down on the bare floor. Well, she put an extra sheet of linoleum. So let's say it was the bare floor, not even on a bed. My dog sucks, baby. Just had biceps like this. The mother (laughs) did. The mother did. And I love her. She did not want me there. She was my first Korean client. She did not want me there. Oh, you were there for the... Birth was, of the biggest Korean baby? No, not the oh, biggest. My, my, oh, your biggest Korean baby. Oh, okay. Baby I that I, yeah. The third. I got you. Um, yeah, so the husband is American <laughs> and his mother is a doula. So he knew he wanted a doula, yeah. but his wife did not. And she hated me. I would go to their house. Jenny, if you're listening, I knew you hated me. Um, I went to their house and she was just looking at her phone and I was so uncle- And I was pregnant myself, so my hormones were also like. Um, and then, like, Super when, she, when she gave birth, she didn't want to be touched, but she had such a beautiful birth. And afterwards, like, she loved me. Like, she would run from across the street to come and hug oh, me. Okay. And, uh, yeah, now she's had another Sorry, baby in the States. Now but, it's, um, it's Young Sue under the bridge. It's yeah. So that was a big baby. So who convinced Korean women that they are weak and uh, delicate flowers? All people who give birth are need some time to recover. Great marketing. Yeah. yeah. So the the idea of the Jolly One was to give people a chance to recover while having a professional take care of the mm. baby. But promoting separation is never a good idea. Mm. They like they now they market it as the last vacation before you take your baby home. <gasps> but what happens when you take your baby home? This baby hasn't been. Fed oh. from a nipple, they've been bottle fed until now. So but the last vacation they, before the end of your life. The reality That's, of oh becoming God, a parent. Black but then you have to pay. <laughs> Again, like if if the partner is working and they have Korean working hours and nobody's there to take care of. But like, like Nate said, you you have to adjust sometime. There at some point that you know the the switch Real. has to flip and you and you go back. But traditionally. In Korea, it's not been like that, right? The man, the traditional Korean man, is the provider, mm. and they are the. So, so I was going to ask. Takke saram, and the chip saram stays home mm. and. Speaking take care. of the support and this stuff, what, what do you think of the the role of the domi? So the postpartum, like the sanu domi, mm. like the, that's a postpartum doula, but it's a little bit different. The Korean take on it compared yeah. to the way that we do it. So the uh, what they do is sometimes they move in with the family for like a week and sometimes it's like nine to five. Yeah, not moving into my place, sorry. They help with bread. Well, some people need them. Time to go home. Um, some, if they move in, they usually sleep with the baby, take the baby to the so I had a mother mom, to breastfeed. I had a, a mom who just I had a mom, one of my students' moms who had just given birth, show up for class, look great. Why do you look so fine? Oh, the lady feeds my baby at night and I sleep. So it'd be like a Jordi one almost in your house, right? So, yes, yeah, so they come to your house. In, yeah. And usually they are midwives and lactation consultants. Yeah. Not all the time. So you have to make sure who you're hiring. Uh, right. Because so they're I think mine was just like the neighborhood. It grandma, could be just grandma. a lady. Yeah, it mm. could be just a lady. And they usually like, cook for you. Right. They Clean. give mother some massages. They yeah. take care of the baby. They help with bathing. They help with keeping Everything, clean. Yeah. I don't I don't know if they do like any heavy duty cleaning, but mm. like keeping the house tidy. Hey, move that bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> that's all kind of in the contract. Like right. my wife said, she can do laundry, she can do dishes, right, right, she can right. cook. And they can take care of any older children. If you but have you older children, you have to pay extra. You can't ask her to vacuum or something. You can't ask her for this. So they're pretty outlined. Right. It's in the contract what they do. It's, yeah, it's a very well established. So if somebody doesn't want to go to Jolly One, 
they want to be in the comfort of their <laughs> home. For example, because they want the father to have access to the baby at right. all times, yeah. then they would hire somebody to go into their home. But the funny one was this Domi is making miyakuk, but then Changwonim comes over with like 65 liters of miyakuk. And I'm like, well, you know your mom's going to bring the super keg of miyakuk. We don't need grandma here to make it. So, so the main problem with foreigners and the Korean Domi is like, these are usually managed by agencies. So you may be lucky and find somebody you really like, yeah. but then you may find somebody you Terrible, clash yeah. with. You can always ask to replace, change, yeah. to change the person. But yeah, it's cost, cultural norms that Mine are different. I didn't know right? how to wash so, the dishes. I want to, <laughs> like, so what I want to do next uh, is to become a professional, like, postpartum doula for foreigners and mm. cook them maybe Italian food, yeah. stews, and nutritious food. You need lots of nutritious food because, like, pregnancy takes. So what's a your take on the miyoku? You shouldn't have too much. Research shows that too much miyogok is actually too what's, much iodine. What's too much? I'm glad there is five times a day research. for a week. Oh, they do it the, yeah. Yes, they do it at every meal huh. for however long you're in the journey one or the wife hospital. Was awesome. Those I first, like it. She but was not, only there two days, right? And that miyogok, and she's like, can we just order freaking chicken or something? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like my miyogok. You got it. I like it. Not every day, every meal. No. But it's, it's become much more popular or famous. Uh, all over the world now, as far yes. as I know, that like even in, in especially in LA and California, I mean that's the number one postpartum food is well, it's get nutritious. It's got iodine, it's got protein, it's got fibers, it's got water, it's got everything. Mm. Yeah. It helps with lactation. It's a galactagogue, so it promotes production of milk, just not five times a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wild. Three times a day would be good. I would not be able to. No, no, but I, I mean, think, I mean, I mean scientifically or the benefits or whatever. No, I don't remember from that study. They just found yeah. out, you know, that Five many... Five times is too like, much. Thyroid, <laughs> Four and a half is okay. Thyroid <laughs> cancer is very high in Korea, very common yeah. in Korea. Yeah. I think it's related to that. Mm. I don't remember, so don't quote mm. me on this. Yeah. I do know that a study found out that it was too much, like the intake is too high. Yeah. That amount of iodine, that amount of seaweed, not good for you. Mm. I... I, my wife told me exactly how she likes it and I learned to make it like that before and I made it like that after and then mom comes over with hers and mom tastes mine and she's like what the hell is this <laughs> these are like, three miyaku this oh, is yeah. exactly how your daughter wants it made my husband famously, I know how your daughter likes it my husband famously <laughs> told his mother that my miyaku is better than hers yeah that yeah. was a bad yeah. day that's a house. great uh, <laughs> no but the domi is only, the only there for a week <laughs> Oh, yeah, They're going to eat miyaguk for a couple months. Yeah. So, I and I, I really enjoyed it her way. Like My we, we had a couple, not fusion, but a few extra things, and which I'm a little more meat. Than Why is there ones. onions in here? You can't put onions. That's illegal. You should not put onions um, in miyaguk. Nate, no. I, I, Pineapple I'm pizza. I'm doing what my wife. <laughs> I'm doing what my wife wants. I'm not. Well, if she likes it, then yes. But I'm not doing it my style. My secret is beef stock. Mm. Don't use the mialchi stock. Use the beef yeah. stock. Yeah. It's good. Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, I got one for uh, Dunstan Baby Language, which is another um, service that you mm -hmm. that you teach. The baby language is it specific to the child, and you have to kind of investigate the child or watch a child and and pick up on their cues, or do commonalities commonalities exist? With all children. Do all children yes, exhibit the same universal, thing? Yes, because it's based on reflexes. It's like a sneeze okay, or a okay. yawn. So we all sneeze and yawn. Everybody puts the little flare into it. Everybody okay. does it a little bit differently. But Achoo! the reflex... <laughs> some people, yeah. yeah. You, you can use different vowels. Um, but 
um, all babies make these sounds. They call them words, but they actually sound. So this is not baby sign language or mm. anything. Baby sign language, the baby needs to be older. This is from birth. Mm. And usually, if you respond, then they keep using it. If you don't respond, then they drop it after a few months. What is it? So Could you it's like basically that? some sounds that the babies make. So, for example, when a baby is hungry, they would make something like ne or na or nge or nga. So the tongue goes up and down looking for the nipple. But is that, uh, does, or what role does culture play in that? Because I think kids develop and their, their I, don't, I think the phoneme, they start mouthing yes. the phonemes at like, Really, really this early is from in birth. Life. Oh, okay. It's a reflex. So okay. every baby will make this sound. So really? if you, mm. yes. Or for example, if they're tired or overwhelmed, they would go, ow, yeah. ow. And that's the sound for being tired. My daughter came out saying spaghetti, spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got it. My <laughs> daughter had the most up. peaceful home birth. <laughs> the most peaceful. She came out screaming like a banshee. She was angry at the world. I'm like, I gave you the perfect birth, child. Anyway, um, and then there's a word for um, needed to be burped, which is eh, eh, eh. So it's a baby trying to fake burp, basically, uh, bring the air up. So these are all based on reflexes. So you may have a baby who pronounces it a little bit differently, but the vast majority of babies use at least one word. And they've done experiments like in Australia with different nationalities and in the States, like they used oh, okay, I think okay. five different countries cool. and babies of different nationalities. And they found out that all babies do this. Ah, and I see them in my clients huh. too. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. So it's, um, it's built in. It's very, so Part of the hardware. Right? If you go on um, YouTube, there's Priscilla Dunstan on Oprah where she explains this it's an old clip because basically her husband was taking care of the business part and i think they had them she was the she's the one who photographer phonographic memory she's the one with the photographic memory for sound yes so mm. she's a um opera singer australian oh, yeah, yeah. and when her baby was born she realized that he was crying in different ways compared mm. to other babies now uh -huh. you opera will come singers. to a point as a parent as i'm sure you know where you will be able to tell yeah. what mm. your baby's saying but this is meant to give you a head start mm. cool Nice. Cool, cool, cool. I've seen a lot of the things I say during my classes. I've, I've just memorized yeah. them. I've taught so many classes. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut all these out and <laughs> well, start selling it as a, <laughs> as a class. Right? I charge so uh, little already. Uh, <laughs> I try to make it accessible. Yeah. It's, it should be free. Morning I, I wish you were free. I wish I was in a position that I could provide. Everybody should know. Why not? Uh, is there a, a YouTube approach? No, but I guess you need face-to-face. Uh, -face is probably more you more can, personal. Yeah. You can take classes, but you can. Uh, I did. I started with books and DVDs, mm. but clients will ask questions that are very unique to their situation, and also the reality of having a baby in Korea mm. as a foreign couple or as a yeah. mixed Korean foreign couple. And usually like I can give a little bit of information about specific facilities, facilities as well, mm. like in Busan or Ulsan or, yeah. um, yeah, I can give them a bit more specific information, but it's all about like what you want and how that compares to what's available and yeah. what are you going to do if they don't match? Cool. Cool. Most, more often than not, they're not going to match yeah. in this area. In Seoul, you have more options. Mm. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. So I, even after having two kids, I think I've learned quite a bit today. Yeah? I'm glad. I feel like I've learned quite a bit. That's awesome. That's really cool. And wanna, I, I'm glad. Do you want to pivot a little bit to that to your quote there? Oh, Time story oh, twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> are you on a Are you on a on a timeline? Do you have a no, no? They're in Jiangsenpo Whale Museum. I think. Okay, so I want to read. Uh, it's four twenty. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, your yes. clock says four twenty. <laughs> 
I'm glad someone <laughs> noticed. <laughs> is it? I'm is happy. It's one o'clock. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to read a a quote here that stopped me in my tracks. You, you okay? You got to make a call. So no, I just want. Mm. Uh, how is it going? We're having kimbap and tteokbokki. Later we can offer ice cream. I think you better have lunch. You can have here sandwich. No problem. I can fast. I'm a doula. I don't need to eat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, when I read this the first time, I was stopped in uh, stopped in my tracks because mm. it, it really resonated with me. So I'd like to I'd like to read the quote. Mm. This is from uh, April eleventh, twenty twenty one. Do you remember? Okay. Korea is an un. Korea and its unrealistic standards of beauty, wealth, and success. The longer I live here, the more absurd it all looks, and it's not getting any better. Children start having plastic surgery at age 13. The beauty standards are also narrow, that it's hard to tell many models and actresses apart. A U.S. size 10 is considered plus size. God forbid a woman weighs more than 50 kilograms. Mm -hmm. The standards for wealth are equally unrealistic. Apparently, if you're, apparently you're considered rich, if you have assets for more than five million U.S. dollars, yes, five million U.S. dollars—that's Oshibo one. Yes. Uh, how many people can attain that? The answer is not funny. No, it's me. The answer is not many. Sorry, scratch <laughs> my head. And so people become horribly indebted just to pretend they do. Appearances are everything. More here than anywhere else. You cannot be successful unless you drive a big, expensive imported car. Never mind that you eat instant noodles uh, at every meal and can't afford to turn on your aircon on your 50th floor. All glass luxury apartment that becomes a furnace in the summer. People outside, uh, the strangers who ultimately really matter, don't know, so you're good. Um, at this lack of diversity in society, ignorance on gender issues, and complete disregard for mental health, and you understand why the suicide rate is so high here in all age groups. I won't fall prey to this. And I'm trying to educate my children to look beyond appearances. It's not easy at all. When, mess when the messages they're getting all day in and out is that you need to look a certain way, get into one of these three universities nationwide, earn this much money, drive this kind of car, and own all this stuff just to be happy. Still, I feel I'm succeeding so far in teaching them the pleasure of the small things, the value of love and friendship, oh, I got a tear, <laughs> and, the, and the freedom of play, the importance of inner beauty and uniqueness, and individuality. Today, I'm succeeding. That was written by you. <laughs> It was with a picture of my daughter's playing the bathtub. That <laughs> that yes. is a company that I wrote yes. underneath, accompanied by pictures of your two lovely daughters eating lunch in the bathtub. That was my friend's idea. What is success and happiness in your eyes? You, there's no if you need ten minutes to, to <laughs> contemplate it, it's totally fine. So I was angry yeah. that day. Yes, yeah. I was angry. Um, I the thing that all models look the same. I think that was debunked. They had that picture of all Miss Korea in the last however many years. I've all seen that. The yeah. Same. yeah, that was photoshopped. <laughs> okay, okay. But still, everything else I stand by. It's hard to live in this country. Now I know that outside with social media, it's not much better. But yeah. I do think it's a little bit worse here, with the whole like, Homo the fact that. Well, the fact that Koreans have the lowest, among the lowest BMI in the world, and do not get me started on BMI, but in the OECD <laughs> in the world, um, and the unrealistic standards of beauty, yes. To me, you ask me, sorry, your question is, what is happiness? Well, how do you, how do you define happiness and, and success? And I mean, what, uh, with your kids, what do you... Yeah, how, how do you define it? What do you hope for your kids, almost? So I think that well, was kind of centered... Uh, 
when I read that, I thought that's you viewing your kids as two innocent young girls who haven't been kind of poisoned by the by the thoughts and whatever of society. So and I worry. Yeah. I worry they they will be poisoned because yeah. they are immersed in this environment. And unfortunately, I only have relative control mm. on the media they consume because yeah. my understanding of Korean is limited. Mm. I do try to see what they look on the mm. uh, on YouTube and stuff. Mm. But for example, you have a song that says. I don't like these trousers. They make me look fat. It's a kid's song. Mm. Like, you mm. should not be talking about pants making you look fat mm. when you are that age. Yeah, yeah. And um, I try to, like, I do try to teach them that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And, like, this morning I was getting ready and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what I should wear. And my husband was like, you're beautiful. Beautiful. I was yeah. so lucky. I don't know how many of them are out there. Boy, young Doug. I was. <laughs> I, I am so lucky to have found my husband, mm. but how, how, again, how many of how many people are there who are going mm. to remind them that they are beautiful, no matter what they look like? Yeah. Like if they conform or not to these standards of beauty. I talk to um, like I don't I don't really uh, makeup and mm. um, it's okay. Like it's what I choose to do. I'm not saying that people should not be making yeah. up. I choose not to. And then I talk to my Korean friends and they're like, oh, but it's easy for you. You're a foreigner. You you are supposed to be different. People expect for you to be different. Mm. But we need to conform. Mm. Otherwise, we're going to be cut out. It's part of that, what, it's part of what I enjoy yeah. living here is that I don't feel any societal pressures. Pressure, and yes. I can just do whatever the hell I want. And, and if Koreans children, see me as crazy wiggling, hey, I'm crazy wiggling. I don't care. But your children will to some extent. Right. Yeah, 100%, 100%. It's already in society. It's already starting. And I... Notice Gina looking in the mirror and she's complaining about hairy Italian legs. I'm like, hey, no one has only got no one has only got one eyebrow and a mustache. So you're laughing. You look at hairy legs so far. I'm sorry that is not an Italian thing. Who said that's an Italian thing? Well, not an Italian thing. If, wanna, any, of my ten an, if any of my ten ants are listening, as you have that made. Yeah, but um, I'm trying to promote body positivity mm. and just. Yeah, counterbalance this yeah. culture that's telling them that they need to look a certain way. Again, I don't think it's a uniquely Korean problem. I, I do live yeah, here, though, yeah. and I don't use Instagram. So I feel it here. I'm sure it's the same yeah. uh, in many other places of the world. I, so I think about um, just being here, I think, shorter than all of my friends. No hair. It does not bother me at all. I attribute this to growing up in a place where um, self-confidence was was fostered. What are you laughing at? Tall, you tall son of a bitch hey, with, with a full head of hair. This guy's my polar opposite. I'm rolling to donate. I gotta, gotta send some over for Christmas. Uh, I'm just trying to even the even the Italians think here. bold men are sexy. Just putting it out there. Oh yeah, yeah. But okay, I mean, I'll shave my hair. <laughs> this guy's got more olive oil in his hair than you do in your hometown. Yeah, look at that thing. It means you have extra testosterone. You know that, right? <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, you're okay. We love you. No, no, no. But yeah. I'm saying that, Hashtag like, that has no no effect, right. on my life. Right. I, I go through my life. I've never. Oh no, I'm too sure. What do you think if you were home though? I don't think it would change anything. Yeah. I don't think it would change anything. But I think this is um, being raised in a society that well, I, I, I grew. I grew. I grew up very confident. I don't know if that was a mm -hmm. from sports or whatever that I played growing up, but. Maybe that's one of the problems here that kids are at a young age. When kids go to school, it's like they're measuring their heads. How tall are they? They send they send you a chart like how tall is your 
your kid compared to other ones oh you're yes. in the you're oh. in the 20th percentile oh. your head size is is the <laughs> is the smallest 10 percent you need to go by the stretching machine head. they oh, completely yeah. misunderstood the whole curve thing you're supposed to stay on or around the curve you're not supposed yeah. to be anywhere as mm. long as you're staying on your curve yeah more oh, or less uh, yes. because there can be variations but when so, you're yeah when you're evaluating kids just based on their on their external traits or, or yeah. whatnot that that teaches them intrinsically think. that it's that that's yeah. what that's what matters there's no a, self inside development their happiness or, or anything i don't think an eight-year-old should be worried about his position on head size in <laughs> <Yeah>. his class i had a doctor look at my daughter when she was maybe four here in ultan and she's always been like this she's always mm-hmm. had this build and say oh she's a little bit short and a little bit too heavy and and I'm like, are you serious? Because he was what looking at me. He yeah. was worried that she would be obese because he was yeah. looking at me. Yeah. I'm like, what are you looking at? You're looking at me. Yeah. You're looking at my daughter. Because my daughter is 50th percentile from birth, and she's yeah. always been on that curve. Oh, yeah. That's I don't know. I don't know. I, I well, feel uncomfortable saying that like she's in the percentile like for anything. It's a yeah, thing. Exactly. That you, yeah. It's something that as you long have as to she's like. Healthy, it's okay, right? Yeah. Like, right. But you have like if you drop percentiles, for example, if a baby's born at a certain weight and then they drop, they lose weight. That can be an indication of a problem. You yeah. have to monitor yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, but I think that should show as a physical number rather than like comparing it to other kids. In yeah, the world, right. right. It's yeah, an individual. Yeah. You have to look at the individual in their whole right yeah. all the different parameters there's not one thing that says Height something and the is weight wrong doesn't match maybe that means something but you are in 90th percentile yeah of height weight i don't know they we just we just had that done last week or whatever and the guy's really nice <laughs> yeah and he says oh the head's normal weight's normal whatever is it listen I don't, no. need, I don't need you to tell me this. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they told us last time we but did it. But you do it because school, right? Or something. It's mandatory. Like you're supposed Yes, yes. You're supposed to do you it. To so we had it done. And they told us she's actually a little bit on the skinny side. And they said, oh, but it's better to be a little skinny than to be overweight. Yeah. Oh, and you're like, in a doctor's head. <laughs> so fat, well, fat phobia is a thing everywhere. Fat stigma sure. is a thing everywhere in the world. So I am not hopeful that in my lifetime um, we're going to eradicate it. And that's a whole new podcast episode. <laughs> so I can come back and yeah. discuss fat phobia. Yeah. My idea is I want my children you ask me how do I define happiness mm. the way I define it may not be the way they define it mm. so no. they have to find their own happiness not mm. in the way that they are already very conscious of what other people think yeah I'm gonna contradict the the fat phobias everywhere I, I in developed places with social media and stuff 100% but Western region in Ghana yes man where where, where <laughs> when I was living there there was no social media and, and TV and stuff. It's called my dad. Though. My dad came, and our last name's Mandigo, and Madingo is one of the biggest tribes in West Africa. Madingo, mm-hmm. not Mandigo. Yes. <laughs> and they 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 saw his business card, or I think he had a business card on his. He was a government worker, and he, on his the bag he carried he had a government tag instead of writing your name. He just had his business card, and the kid grabbed one and he goes, "Chief Madingo." <laughs> Wow! They go. That's why you're big. This guy's like the king, and and I mean, probably double my size or more. And I mean, he was worshipped, and everybody would come and greet him and say, "Oh, the king! The king of Canada is here." You couldn't be that big unless you were a king. Yes. So in some and, cultures of the world, it is actually appreciated for women to, especially for women, I think. And in in I West Africa, like in, in lots of West Africa, in lots of West Africa. A lot of the Stand women are big, yes. and the men are these skinny rails. And I was like, "Is it? Do the men not eat here? Like, 
these ladies are eating something. Like, what are the, the men get the scraps? It may not but, be the food. It may but be they, genetic. Right, yeah. Mm. But they, they worshipped us for being big. And there was no, like, and they would call you, Obalobo, like, chubby man. And that means, like, that's what you say to the king. Mr. Lobo. That's what you say to the, <laughs> that's what you say to someone who's revered right. and someone who holds yeah. a high position. They have money. The money buys food. That's the only way you can be big. <laughs> I got a graph here. <laughs> Income. Talk about culture shock. Like, I was just. Well, I, I've always been. Stay here forever. I've always <laughs> been very comfortable in my body. Um, I've always been big. And I've always been fine with it. And my mother has always been very body positive. I've been surrounded by people who've been body positive. Now that I am in my 40s, I'm starting to feel, literally feel the weight. Mm. So I have this urge to like become a little bit lighter because I can feel it in my joints. Mm. But I do accept myself. And I'm I, again, I was very lucky to find a person who reminds me every day that, you know, beauty, yeah. that he loves me and he likes the way I look. So, um, I don't always like the way I look. And I'm not always comfortable in my body, but he he's a very positive presence in my life. I want to be that for my children. Mm. And but I just think that I'm going to have to do a much harder job at this yeah. in this day and age. Mm. So yeah. not just because it's Korea, but also because it's the age of social media. And I worry. Yeah. And also about the standards of wealth in Korea, I think that's very unrealistic. And I feel You don't got 5 million in the bank? <laughs> Loser, right? Million, yes, exactly. I thought five hundred million would be wealthy. Like Half in Italy, million. in Italy you have five hundred thousand euro in the bank, four hundred thousand euro in the yeah. bank. Oh well, my god, you're rich. A dollar. Yeah. And you have to pay. In Korea, it's five billion because yeah. an apartment is a billion, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. You can live in an apartment that's a bit. I think it's crazy, and I think it's wrong, and it's damaging to yeah, people's mental absolutely. health. And then you don't have the mental health support that you need. Oh, yeah. Are you surprised about the suicide rate? No. Yeah, no, no. Just back to the to the beauty standards too. Someone who's bigger with positive, with a positive mindset, that would be less favorable in Korea than someone who's a rail and is depressed and and has serious mental health issues. Well, the Which whole is, idea yeah. that your health shows on the outside. Like I'm sure that if I get a skinny guy on the street and we go take a blood test, mm. I'm pretty sure that my parameters, the chances are my parameters are going to be better than mm, exactly. a person who looks like skinny, but they may have all sorts of issues. Yeah. And there's no awareness in Korea yeah. whatsoever about this. Yeah. I always said it, guys my size in Korea are considered like lazy On slobs. Your, with a foot in the grave, but, right? <laughs> but in, in America, like you're a professional athlete or a football player, you can run a 40 meters in right. three and a half seconds. Yeah. They've never seen that. Anybody this size in Korea is lazy Yes. And, and well, but again, that's, I don't know if it's only in Korea, but in Korea, they do have like some very healthy habits and some very unhealthy habits. It's, it's a country yeah. of opposites. They always right? like push everything to the limit. Like if I'm the gym guy, I'm going to be like CrossFit. Right. <laughs> do you, do you and think working like working hours and we, we talk about flexibility and compromise and stuff, the beauty standards. I mean, I think regardless where I am, my kids are going to face that, but I take comfort here at least for elementary school and your first daughter is getting close to, to moving on. Um, she's in first grade, yeah. No, my, my first is in fourth grade. My that, second that's is what I mean. So she's, grade. mine's only in second grade, but your, mm -hmm. your first daughter is getting towards middle school. Right. Um, the, the fact here that sex and drugs and booze is still not a major part of these young ages right gives me a lot of uh, maybe drugs a lot of mm. peace and comfort no dude there's not 
There's not a huge rate of teenage pregnancy here. There's not... Teenage pregnancy, okay. Um, I mean, right. th- but, those things, come on, like at home, my, my sister... Maybe it's just more talked about at home. Could, could be, I, but yeah. my sister my sister's talking about working in the ER and where kids are coming in from these Skittle parties, and this was 10 years ago, so it's, it's way it's, crazy. It's harder to get drugs here than it is mm. back home for sure. But, but I'm saying the booze and pregnancy the same might as, be... The same as the, the porn thing from five or ten years ago put on a movie that's a problem just stop it and then reenact the th- like like that stuff's not here and it was crazy when i grew up so i can't imagine how bonkers it is now and i think from, it's here dude yes it is here. i think it's here I, i'm not saying it's not here uh. it's not a made there's no schools here that have restrictions against thong panties in elementary school that's not here that's not wait, here wait because up until recently schools would tell you what kind of underwear yeah. you have to, you have, to yeah. have white underwear no no, no. that was a rule but it wasn't enforced that's a rule from 50 it, years ago that that was it, was canceled it just like, changed two weeks ago but that wasn't there wasn't a panty inspector at the middle school checking girls no, panties they, so no how did they do that they have that in they, they didn't no it, it became it was news here, because yeah. they just changed the rule recently the people it's like lots of rules in the states you can still have 10 wives in some state do you, does that give you any comfort like I mean, no, I the, think... the drugs and the booze and, and stuff. Yes, now it's in elementary school here. Grade six, grade five. But at home, I mean... I think that we cannot shield our children from the world. Much as I would like to. Mm. Lock them up in a room and keep them in there. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> you know, the first... When when Corona, when COVID first hit and we had those few weeks in March of 2020 that we mm. just tend to stay home. We didn't have to, but we stayed yeah, yeah, home. Yeah. Actually, for me... I felt so safe having them home nice. and not having to leave the house. And we played, we did puzzles, we danced, we exercised together, yeah. we cooked together. But but then I saw by the end of like those first few weeks, it was just a few weeks, I saw their mental health starting to yeah. deteriorate. Mm-hmm. They, would, they would ask to go out and so on. And I'm like, I cannot. You cannot shield them from the world. I, mm-hmm. I, understand. I don't want to shield them. I want to, I understand. I want to, you want to expo- slow it down. Expo- yeah. So Controlled exposure. At a so yes, you basis. may have to have these conversations later a little bit later here compared to but then you know we're going to italy in the summer i have to have certain conversations with my daughters Mm. that i wouldn't need to have here about where people like what people have access to with your body if you find yourself in certain situations Mm. you always have to be within my eyesight you cannot just go to the beach and i stay under the parasol and you go all the way by yourself i have to be close to Mm. you because in italy there's a real danger that somebody may hurt you Hmm. which yeah. you don't have here and you cannot go and play at the Norita by yourself in Italy no yeah. way I have to <laughs> yeah, be there yeah, yeah. and I don't care if you have your phone your phone's going to be stolen in five minutes yeah. <laughs> so you know so there's conversations that as foreign parents we need to have with our children regardless if we're bringing them back home mm. and I think it's always good to have age appropriate conversations yeah you know, it, yes, I understand. There's lots of pressure here, like that, lots of stress for me here about hidden cameras, for example, that I wouldn't have back home. Ah, yeah. About people taking pictures of you because everybody has a smartphone. Yeah. And I always say to my daughters, do not let anyone take pictures of you. Mm. Like, and do not send your pictures to anyone. Oh, she that's... learned a lesson with that mm. already. Yeah. Uh, one day we did a, you know, we had to do the COVID test for school and uh, we did it in the evening and then by morning it had changed a little bit. It, mm. it can happen, right? You're supposed to throw yeah, them yeah. out. I left it there, forgot it. In the morning it was different. She took a picture. She sent it to her friend. Look, my COVID test looks funny. Uni's got crying. Uh, and I told uh, her, this was Soyan. And uh, I said, well, now I'm going to have to tell you teacher and she, if she says you have to go to the Boganso and get the, the, the PCR, yeah. you're going to have to do it now because yeah. it, it, it's ambiguous now. Yeah. And she was crying. No, but I 
I sent it to my friend and she's not going to give it to anyone. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, the moment that picture leaves your phone, you have lost control. Well, anymore. you know what? That's not, uh, not a bad way to learn. That one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, was just I wish there was an app or something where you can fake it and show them the repercussions. Well, like like, that like real, but not <laughs> so no. severe as she when it gets was, to the porn and revenge She was in tears, so I said, I'm sorry, but I have to send this to your teacher. So I sent it to the teacher, and she said, take another one. So we took another two at home, yeah. and both were negative, and I sent them to school. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a very, very hectic half hour in my yeah. house. And also, my daughter, Uni, uh, she gave her phone to a friend, apparently. I don't know how true that is. She and this boy sent a message to 119. And the police showed up at her apartment because they tried to. She sent a message, Sarami Isayo. There's people. There's people here. Sarami Isayo. And then I don't know if they could check it was a child's phone, but they tried to call her back. She didn't answer. So they sent a car. I was actually very impressed with how fast the car got there. And then they come upstairs and they're crying. I didn't even know that you could send a text and the police would show up, but the policeman called us on the phone and asked to talk to her and said that she should not. She yeah, should be careful with it. So she has also learned a lesson about giving your phone to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It used but, to be common here to call the police and be like, "Ah, you're a pabo." Really? Yeah. That's that a was crime, a, isn't it? Isn't it a crime? I, well, at home, home, you get yeah, huge shit for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That used yeah. to be just like Tuesday afternoon, like uh, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hang up the phone. Yeah. So they've had uh, uh, their, you know, a couple of important lessons in the use of mobile phone. I could tell them a billion times. Yeah. They had to see the consequences for themselves. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. especially in now there many... is more risk because stuff you send out, like it, there is a threat that it always stays up there. Somewhere. It's it's forever. Yeah. The internet yeah, is yeah. forever. But the problem now is they're too young to comprehend yes. the lessons they need to oh, know. God, yes, like they're just. People our age sometimes don't <coughs> right. comprehend it. Well, so, yeah. Yes. Especially, yeah. Needs I, mean, case I am studies, very, yeah. I was very much against giving my children mobile phones. They have kids' phones still. Mm. Although my daughter in fourth grade is the only one that has a kid's phone. Everybody else has a smartphone. There's people who have my phone. It's a flip phone. Yeah. yeah. In my daughter's grade, that's first grade. It's a full-on smartphone with Fuck. all the functions that I oh. have access to. Parental control. Me, <laughs> but, Mine's the only one in grade two without one. Right? I'm and sure that's Tony's the thing. Oh, but everybody yeah. has it. And and I'm like, I'll give it to you, but you have to, like, you have rules and you have to. But they're the only ones, apparently, who have rules on the use of their mobile phones. Ours don't have phones yet. Oh, That's wonderful. I, 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 oh, I admire you for this. We gave Not going to be easy, but I'm going to have to fight my wife more than my kid, I think. <laughs> we, but. like, yeah, we, in, at the end of, like, I'm an anxious parent. So, like, having a chance to know where she is, call her and she would, but she doesn't really pick up the phone, the, the younger one. But it's one. a safer, science will show her. Research will show it's a much safer world we live in now with much less chance of crazy shit happening. The, Just the, that there one, there is one. It's on YouTube and the whole world watches it. Right. It's a way crazier world. Yes. It, Actually, it, it's it, much, you have the much safer. Of, no. and, <clears throat> Apart from digital crimes, obviously. Those are brand new and those are scary yep. to me as a mother yep. of girls. Absolutely. Another reason she doesn't need a phone. <laughs> I know. I know. But then you know what? They use, they, but then they use their friends' phones and you yeah. have zero control over that. That's what I was saying. But I it's saw like her. tools though, right? Like you won't let your play, like child play with like automatic hammer or a drill machine, right? Right. You Even have... though it might be useful for them, but they might not understand. Like, But then you show them to. how it's used and... How that, it's not used. Not but that, that comes down to parenting, that. too. And if you're modeling proper behavior in your house, exactly. when they get yeah. the phones, they'll know. Yeah. Like, oh, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, I think, that yeah, you can't, the... you can't deny it and you can't avoid it forever. But once they get them, hey, like <laughs> the no phone in your room or right. your phone stays in the kitchen. I, if you implement that from day one, 
and you don't you don't you, move on it, I think you're fine. You have to have very clear boundaries. As a doula, like putting my phone down if I'm on call for a client, I cannot do that. And mm. clients do message me at every hour of the day. So I notice that now my children are like, if I say, Oh, what you doing on your phone? Put off your, uh, like put down your phone. I'm working. Yeah. They uh, reply, I'm working. <laughs> right? So they've learned from because they model your behavior. Sure. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you helping someone give birth later? Okay. Put that goddamn you, thing down. You paid twenty two percent of your taxes to the family. That's why no, I told them like if you're not getting money for it, that's not worth it. But then sometimes I do volunteer work. So again, that's a slippery slope. But I do believe that, you know, controlled exposure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You give them a, a phone with few functionalities and you try to give them a phone that has only a few functionalities yeah. and just messages and but they do take pictures. So I want to teach them about the power of pictures and thank God we had the opportunity in a very safe way to understand the power of yeah. sending people because pictures. also i worry about ours like if you repress it and just don't let them do it when they do get one they go crazy they go buck wild so yeah, yeah. i like uh, controlled exposure that's the with that's with the games too i bought like the old sega that i used to play when i was young mm -hmm. and it's not like the fully immersive games like they can easily turn it off <laughs> get back to real life but some of the new computer games man They yeah, are designed you know, to be addictive. But it's easy to be addictive. You have lots of opportunity. Like it says, game over. I, Do you I want remember, to continue? Hey. No, it's not just an yeah, automatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. as a kid, we used to play Contra. Oh, dude! I And I would like I close my eyes. I would see Contra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I played that yeah, the other day. Remember, like a special my life, like, special like course. Say, there's yeah. billions of dollars spent on yeah, exactly. on how to make the right candy, the right game, the right TV show, the right oh, commercial, easy. everything. It's easy enough with sugar, but also. So I, I'm. Oh, this is a whole new podcast. I'm writing a book about yeah, Korea. We need. I've more just submitted. We need five episodes. <laughs> sorry. We need five episodes with that. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> But just very quickly. So yeah. I'm writing a book about Korea for Italian kids, age 10 to 13, more or less, oh, nice. which would be middle school in Italy. Um, and I've just submitted the last chapter a few days ago. I'm doing this with a friend in Seoul and a design, uh, an illustrator in the states who happens to be my husband's aunt, who has married a. American guy, so she lives in the US, oh, so she's Korean. Nice. And uh, so we're researching all these things. Like, What's the is she, Hold on, is she visiting Korea. right now by any chance? Are no. they visiting? Okay. No, no, no they're in, uh, in Boston. Okay. Korea, uh, I mean, well, Korea is a pretty... It's 30 chapters. We touch oh, on shit. everything. We touch on like school culture, food, um, manhwa, uh, mukbang, no, like YouTube, yeah. um, games, and then history, and uh, 30 chapters. Traditional holidays, non-traditional holidays. And this um, is for foreign kids? Italian kids. It's for Italian, Italian kids, sorry. Yeah, It's yeah, yeah, going yeah. to be published in September by one of Italy's main publishing companies. Um, and I've had to research hmm. everything. And there's lots of similarities between Italian and Korean kids. Yeah. I interviewed lots of Italian kids. I interviewed lots of Korean kids. Actually, mixed because yeah. of language. Yeah. But um, yeah, and um, talking about like video games and so on. Same video games being played. Yeah. Now, Korea invested a lot in esports to the point that they invested 20 years ago. They started investing. And now that they are part of the Olympics, you know that, yeah. right? They're going to be part of the, well, they're already part of the Asian games. Yeah. Olympics, yeah. There were supposed to be Asian games in China. Of course, they've been yeah. postponed. Um, but even in Jakarta, they were introduced as a demonstration yeah. sport. And yeah. now they're going to be, whenever the next Asian games are going to take place. But they're going to the Olympics. Yeah. So... Uh, but it's the same video games that children sure. easily, and I want to say children more or less all over the world yeah. play. Now, I mean, same thing. They just make it so addictive. It's League yeah. of Legends. And, and YouTube, YouTube, you know, you finish one video, they give you another one mm. similar. 
and you keep watching and keep yeah. watching and you could theoretically never stop you may stay on that, and that, keep watching that's the terrifying part right like yes we know from like observing from outside that it looks like you're just getting sucked in but when someone is doing that they don't realize it right mm. but then it's addictive to me as well like and i say and, and i've never i haven't grown up with this mm. can you imagine for them with their developing brain Yeah. The impact that they can have. Absolutely. I see it in my university students every day. I mean, these are the first guys who grew up on phones since grade one. Right. It's Biggest. horrifying. It's part of their reality. You cannot say you cannot use a mobile phone. At some point, they will have to. It's an extension of their body. Yeah. Yes. My biggest beef as of lately is the guys driving the motorcycles, the delivery guys oh. with dude, two phones. Two phones, yeah. <laughs> two phones. Typing, typing on two phones while driving. Driving to your place yesterday, man, almost two or three accidents. I'm... Flipping yeah. out like my, uh, I you know, I, all those guys now. I they look in, like what? What? Did you see me on my phone? How did you see that? I'm worried about like driving and messages yeah. and. Uh, I've only been driving for a few years. I learned to drive actually in Korea, yeah. in Busan. So I'm like, oh. I can drive anywhere. Yeah. Um, you can drive in Italy. Probably. I can drive in Italy. Yeah, yeah. I learned. To, I got my license in, in Italy, Norton, and then I didn't Norton drive for like 15 years, and then now I learned. Yeah. I had to learn again to go to births, not <laughs> yeah. to miss births, and uh, it's. It's hard mm. when you get a notification on your phone not to quickly look or you're, you know, red light and you're just slowing down. You start looking at your phone. It's hard for me to resist. And I only learned how to drive a few years ago. Yeah. And Imagine growing up. So with I know that my skills are not that good at driving. <laughs> Don't say this to my husband. Oh. <laughs> But, yeah. So can you imagine for somebody who learns to drive when they're 18 and mm. with, with the phones? Phone, yeah. And I hope and pray that they will develop some sort of technology and Elon yeah, Musk. self-driven cars, but self-driven I don't know. Cars, yeah. I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. Wild, yeah. wild times, man. But that's yeah, definitely scary. I mean, as uh, as a citizen walking in the street, you know, looking over, even when you're driving, someone's in front of you driving. 10, 20 kilometers under the speed limit, like, what's, just, what's wrong with this guy? He go past, like, oh, they're just typing a message on their phone. <laughs> what's But then going when I was here? in China 10 years ago, like people would have. Instead of the rearview mirror, they would have a screen and taxi drivers, they would watch whole movies on the rearview mirror. The whole movie. Jesus Christ. I'm like, there's two problems here and they're both huge. <laughs> so, wow. 10 years ago. Only in China. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Nate, you got anything else? You're good? Adele, anything else you want to uh, you want to plug? You got a book coming out? We got... Uh, I, yeah. I was telling Nate this morning, first time I wrote... What did you I mean, write? No, the first time I read your thing years ago, I'm like, oh, the morning clam birthing <laughs> services. I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> It was like the morning calm. Well, There the clam is, it could the be mo- a metaphor. Yeah. That's, that's what be, I thought. Right? Yeah. I read it first as the morning clam. But I stole that name, so let's not get into that. It's per- it works great. Well, I asked for I permis- permission, but not everybody yeah. agree. So, yeah, which one could be wanted to do anyways. Where where can people reach you or or access your content or so get in touch with you? Um, you I'm on Facebook a lot because yeah. I admin a few groups. Uh, the Pregnant in Korea group is a really good resource for anybody who's pregnant in Korea. Well, uh, at this point, it's for um, mostly for it's it's for gestational parents. Mm. And then I created another group called Expectant Partners in Korea for non-gestational parents because we do discuss lots of things that have to do with um, birthing anatomy and lots of mm. people don't want anyone who doesn't give birth in the group. So Pregnant in Korea, 
Anybody can join. Lots of resources. Wonderful community. I think there's almost 2,000 of us at this wow. point. Um, then I have my page, Morning Calm Birthing Services. I am not on social media a lot outside of groups. So I'm not the kind of person who will post because I find it annoying mm. to, that people have to post at a certain time. And if people need information, they can come find it. Yeah. So Instagram, again, I have a page. It's dead. But my information is there. There's a few... More uh, infographics than, yeah. than social, more utility than yes. social. So more, yeah. more meaningful connections. Okay, gotcha. So I go for the quality of the connection rather than the quantity. Mm. It's also I a know portal that, where if someone comes across it on Instagram, probably they will divert to your main. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I do so prefer to establish a it note, because birth, yeah. is, note, yeah. birth is different for everybody. Pregnancy is different. Birth is different. Even the same person giving birth more than once, it's going to be different. Mm. So, yes, there's lots of information that can be shared. But at the end of the day, you need to discuss your own personal views and preferences. And again, like you want to have a planned C-section for whatever reason, wonderful. You want to have an unmedicated birth for whatever reason, wonderful. No. Nobody has the right to tell you what to do or what not to do yep. with your body. Yep. Are you available the whole peninsula or... Yeah. Online, yes. And I've had clients at this point in the States, in Hong Kong, oh, okay. in China. Pyongyang. In one, in Pyongyang, no. <laughs> Not, yet. Not yet. Not quite yet. Kim Jong-un's going to give you a call. We can't talk about it. <laughs> His sister may be pregnant, but no, no. At this point, not, right? Yeah. It's been a while. He may be pregnant. <laughs> he lost lots of weight. <laughs> he did. Give, tell me your secret. Talk about this stuff, right? He's like, God. <laughs> no, that's that's that just marked three hours. Oh my really? god! I marked three hours. Oh my god! You're gonna have a hard time editing this. Ah, we'll be alright. We'll be fine. I don't have any masters work to do. So. You finished? No, I got. I'm, I'm I'm in the worst part of it right now, but it's oh, okay. No. Anyway, you're in the thick oh. of it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Yeah. We'll Thank uh, you for we'll me. call it uh, we'll call it a day there, and promise to uh, to do it again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Kai.